The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. This is your United States of America. Friday, May 31st, 2019, and you are tuned into the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, powered by the Roar Network at thegorillaposition.com. Presented by Hameen Media. And in association with Last Word on ProWrestling.com. On this week's show, we're talking John Moxley, Vince Russo, AEW, ROH, New Japan, and some NXT. But before we dive in, it's my obligation to remind you this is a podcast by the fans for the fans, bringing you all the news that is news from across the professional wrestling world. You can find the entire HTM podcast network online at hittingthemarks.com. My name is Jargo. I'll be your host for the day, but give it up for my tag team partner, the man who gets free ribs on the way to a recording session, the man, the myth, the legend, the real RBV, Rick. I, I really hope that you're full. It's me, it's me. It's that R of the B to the V. Rick Vickery, back again. Hitting Mark's Pro Wrestling Podcast. And yes, my friend, we were a little delayed here on the record simply because I, I can't think of any reason when you see a sign on the side of the road that says free ribs, there's zero reason out there that exists that you do not stop and partake in the deliciousness. I, I completely agree with you. I, I have to come to Ohio. If there are signs on the side of the road that say free ribs here, you pull over the car and you eat the free ribs. I'm not even mad at you for being late today. Uh, I was going to say, I, I, even when I was typing that message to you, I was like, he isn't going to fuck me. I was just like, are you freaking kidding me? Hey, they really? were delicious. They were delicious and they're having it tomorrow. So I will be back there again tomorrow. So as you heard there in the open, we've got a lot to cover today. Rick, you also did a big interview with Battle on the Border champion Brandon Xavier. That's going to be on today's show. But uh, one thing that we don't have a whole lot of time for on this week's show is WWE. So just real quick, here is your Monday Night Raw review. Yep, didn't watch that shit. How about Tuesday Night Smackdown? Nope, passed on that one too. Huckleberry, anything that you want to touch on real quick before we uh, jump into some good pro wrestling? Anything that you want to talk about from the world of WWE? I know that there's one, you know, the one thing that really stands out to me this week, and going into this week, everyone, you know, the buzz was, how are they going to answer? How are they going to answer double or nothing? And you know what their answer was? They let their one true star shine. Brock Lesnar was the entire highlight. Because he is their only true star because they refuse to create characters. And when we talk about, you know, that characters look over and over, I actually get to talk with uh, Mr. Brandon Xavier about it, you know, but he teaches them how important that is. You know, the tradition of professional wrestling, you know, it lies there with the characters. You know, I know that people are kind of on uh, different sides of the fence if they liked it or not, but it got a great reaction. Uh, I ha- I happen to really enjoy it. I know uh, you didn't think so highly of it, but. No, I hated it. I, I hate everything about it. I To me, there is absolutely zero reason to ever marginalize Brock Lesnar, regardless of how good it is. 
And I felt that way about Kurt Angle with the little cowboy hat, you know? And, and we heard John Moxley talk about it on Talk is Jericho. We're going to talk about the interview here in a minute. But Moxley said the biggest mistake that he ever made was showing them that he had any sense of comedic timing because that once that happened, he was just labeled as a joke inside of Vince McMahon's mind. I'm terrified of what happens with Brock Lesnar going forward here. Uh, a story about a big giant, uh, Kruger. Remember him? Kruger? Oh, yeah. yeah, Kurgan. Kurgan, that's what it is, Kurgan. Um, you know, he, he's there running with, uh, with Cyrus as his manager and yeah, all the that. the oddities. Well, no, that was before that. They were the Truth Commission. That's oh, yeah. when they were okay. a serious yep. unit. The reason the oddities came about is because they had a company party and he was out there cutting it up on the dance floor having fun. Next thing you know, Truth Commission is dismantled. And we have the oddities because now he's the fun-loving giant goofball. Okay, now here's my, here's my rebuttal, though, is we're talking about that situation and we're talking about Dean Ambrose. Brock Lesnar doesn't play by the same rules. This isn't, hey, this is the route you're going. Brock's going to do what he wants when he wants. He's not going to just have to play by the rules because, once again, going back to it, he is a true star. I don't want to get too far into it because we'll jump into this Monday in the locker room when we talk about the Monday Night Raw preview. But shortly before we started recording today, Paul Heyman announced that Monday night between the hours of 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, my client, Barack Lesnar, will be cashing in his money in the bank on the reigning, defending, undisputed, Universal Champion Seth Rollins. He actually announced that via a video message on Facebook and Twitter. It's at, at Heyman Hustle. You're, you're right. Brock doesn't play by the same set of rules. So why would he announce three days ahead of time that he's going to cash in the fucking money in the bank? This entire storyline is just stupid. Because they want the reaction you just gave them. They're not cashing in. It's the hustle. Speaking of hustle, we just had a, a PW hustle drop here on uh, the hitting, you know, the hitting the marks podcast network. Yeah. Speaking of Brock Lesnar, you know, they just show up when they want to. Yeah. PW hustle is a great show too. I very much enjoyed that episode. Uh, we'll, we'll talk all things Brock Lesnar Monday in the locker room. We also have a ton of reviews to do Monday inside of the locker room. But I guess the lead story for this week is I can't even play that music anymore. I need to know what John Moxley's music is going to sound like because Dean Ambrose is dead and long live John Moxley. John Moxley and Chris Jericho break the internet the other day. I saw it as soon as it dropped and I was like, oh, damn, people are going to want to hear this one. I hadn't even hit play yet. And I knew people were going to want to hear this interview. It's been literally all that anybody is talking about. Rick, have you had a chance to listen to the interview as of yet? I have. I, I actually, I, you know, I took time, sat down, went all the way through it. You know, I, I think I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I think there was a lot there, but I think I just had so much. I had so much hype going into it, though. And I had already heard so much, you know, from the conversation and all that. So. Yeah, but outside uh, outside of, you know, we got Moxley and Russo. I mean, that's the two hottest stories going on the internet right now. Yeah, and then we had Vince Russo claiming that AEW and WWE were kind of in bed together. Uh, Rick, let's start with the Moxley thing. And there, there's so many different things to talk about, but I guess there's two points I want to hit on. 
Number one is vindication. Everything that we have said here at the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, everything that has been said on HittingTheMarks.com, everything that has been said by Hameen Media for the last year and a half, if anybody doubted our credibility, John Moxley just went and reinforced everything that we have been saying for literally years at this point, a million downloads deep worth of us saying this is what's wrong with this company. Which brings us to the second point. He, he brought up this point about how he is a professional wrestler. And, and we talk all the time about the difference between professional wrestling and sports entertainment. They have a whole lot of pro wrestlers inside of a sports entertainment company right now. And he, what really got me was when he's talking about these scripts and these writers and the writers bring him the scripts and then we try to get the scripts changed. And Vince McMahon saying that Dean Ambrose needs to read his promos word for word. He needs to read everything verbatim. They want to hire actors. And Moxley even says, if you want all these scripts... Hire a bunch of actors. They'd probably be better at it than I am. And that's the difference between sports entertainment and professional wrestling. And I think that's where the big disconnect is right now. We want to watch professional wrestling. Vince McMahon wants to present you sports entertainment. He wants to present you with a Hollywood product, with scripts and, and director cues and it's not pro wrestling anymore. What the WWE is doing is in no way, shape, or form pro wrestling right now. Yeah, and this this really began I mean, this evolution where kind of you know pre attitude era where where he got this notion that he had to you know pretty much when he pulled the curtain back himself, and, and you know we all thought the time you know that was to get by the state commissions you didn't have to deal with all you know the licensing and all those fees and all that. But then he just got this like this, this this idea kind of brewing up up with inside of him that they had to truly to to break out of that shell to be taken seriously mainstream that they had to shatter all those walls of professional wrestling. That's what you know they redefined themselves as sports entertainment, and it's you know they've been you know what they've really coveted is you know trying to get like you know Emmy nominations or whatever you know whatever kind of walk that, you know, whatever they would qualify for there. That is what they really come. It's not that, you know, the praise for, you know, actually elevating professional wrestling. Now it's really easy to sit here and, and point fingers and the blame game. Obviously so much goes towards Vince. You, also, you, you throw some towards Triple H himself because, you know, he has played in, you know, how he lets some of the talents and even himself represent themselves on social media. You know, he is actually spitting in the face of so many great traditions that, that he was taught. So instead of playing this blame game all around, obviously this is how this company is going to run. Even when Vince steps away, it might slightly shift a little bit, but these, you know, the these silly ideas that everything's just going to revert back to, you know, to the the greater eras and we're going to have classic professional wrestling. That's not going to happen. We, we need to find a hybrid. That is the question that we should be asking here. Instead of playing the blame game, let's work towards a fix. Well, and I think that's what AEW is at least trying and attempting to do. But it, this makes so much sense as I look at the WWE roster and its current incarnation. Who's the number one babyface inside of the WWE in the company's eyes? 
it's Roman Reigns. Who's the number one heel inside of the company in their eyes? Right now, it's Baron Corbin. Those are two guys who are 100% products of the WWE system. They are handed their scripts, they know what to do with their scripts, and then they go out and they do it. And then you have people like Kevin Owens, you have people like Sami Zayn, you have people like John Moxley, you have people like Chris Jericho, who are professional wrestlers. They're not actors. They haven't been trained to be actors. They want to go out and cut promos. They want to go out and have their matches. And instead they have these writers who are writing things out for them. And then it's getting rehashed and they spend all day fighting with writers and fighting with Vince about the direction of their character, because none of it makes any sense in a pro wrestling context. This is not pro wrestling anymore. This is sports entertainment, and it's only going to be the people that are born and bred inside of that system that are going to flourish. Yeah, there's going to be an exception here and there. Yeah, there's always going to be that AJ Styles who comes in and just gets it, you know, but there's going to be a whole lot more John Cena's and Randy Orton's than there is going to be AJ Styles. Well, I like that you bring up, you know, that outsider that's going to kind of you know shatter that ceiling, if you will. Is it really that surprising that AJ Styles was able to do this? No. I mean, because he was trained in a sports entertainment system and worked with so many individuals that did come up through that WWE system when he was with TNA. He knew what he was coming into. And, and when you mentioned, you know, individuals like a, like a Sami Zayn or Kevin Owens, even a CM Punk. There's a ceiling. It's, it's, it's up. I understand it, but it's up to them to realize they're not going to the WWE to be professional wrestlers in that sense, they are going there to be sports entertainers. So now what I think we're going to see over the course of the next three years or so inside of the WWE is going to be a lot of the pro wrestlers are going to leave the company. That I mean, that just seems like an obvious foregone conclusion to me now that there are pro wrestling companies where you can go and make a living, whether it be AEW, whether it be New Japan, Ring of Honor, this AEW thing is going to open up a lot of those ventures for the pro wrestlers. Then you're going to have the sports entertainers who are going to be the WWE born and bred former football players and weightlifters and bodybuilders who are going to be born in the NXT system, come up through the NXT system, guys like Velveteen Dream. He's really the guy inside NXT right now that you can look at and say, that is 100% a WWE creation and that kid is going to get shot to the moon. You know who's not? Adam Cole. He's a pro wrestler. And also in those terms, too, when you look at that transition, since it was actually since the dream is built, you know, under the blueprint of sports entertainment, it's more likely that Vince is going to get what he is when he makes that transition. And there's going to, as you said, there's going to be more invested in him because they invested in, in him from the ground up. You know, he is their creation. Whereas, you know, with an Adam Cole, it, you know, it's going to be like, OK, where does this guy come from? What do we do with him? I mean, we've we've had a million. Is this? I mean, did we did we rehire Stevie Richards? I mean, what that look or did Stevie Richards shrink down? You know, that's what. Why'd you throw Shawn get. Michaels in a dryer? Right, that's what that's what we'll get out of that. But in the sense, you know, when I'm talking about fixing it there and not dividing it, you know, so these individuals, you know, we're you're talking about pro wrestlers are going to leave, and yes, now we've got AEW where it's looking like that they can have you know a viable competitor salary wise. 
I, the fans get so caught up in these ratings and what's you know what we're really going to enjoy. When it comes down to it, this is a career for these individuals. So when you get to WWE, sports entertainment, or pro wrestling, that's your big payday. I mean, AJ Styles just signed his last contract there. I'm sure you know there was something in him that said, hey, I can go back out there, make a lot of money, and, and I can hook up with the, the elite and do all this cool stuff. But the smart move was to lock into that next contract that is going to set up his family for generations to come. And that's where he needed to be. And that's where you're going to see a lot of these people, you know, still focusing towards. So how do we fix that within the system? You know, somewhere we have to start eliminating these drawn out, you know, overwinded live promos. I mean, you have one of the greatest production teams in the world, in all of entertainment. You know, let's start using that, start cutting together pieces in the back. Hit us with quick vignettes. You know, stage things more in the background where if you do want to do scripted things where they don't feel so natural instead of sitting out there, you know, miserably failing in front of a live audience. Let's just cut to the back with those things. We can have multiple takes. Here's a crazy idea as well. You want to employ actors as well to come in and read scripts. Bring back the freaking manager system. Well, you know what occurred I mean, look to at, me? Look at like Lucha Underground, how successful they were with the gentleman that was you know, seen as the authority figure. He had nothing to do with professional wrestling. He was actually an actor. One of the things that I heard in, in my musical career, I was a big fan of the Blue Man Group. You know who the Blue Man Group is, right? Uh, one of my friends actually went to Chicago and auditioned to be a Blue Man. Right now, I don't know how many people know this, and and maybe this is pulling the curtain back a little bit too far, but there are multiple teams of the Blue Man Group, so they can run multiple tours at the same time. And so the guys go in there and they drum for about 30 seconds, and the rest of it is all acting stuff. And when my friend Matt, who went up and did this, when he asked him what in the hell that was all about, they said it's way easier to teach an actor how to drum than it is to teach a drummer how to act. And I kind of feel like that's where we are with pro wrestling right now. It's a whole lot easier to teach an actor how to wrestle than it's going to be to teach a pro wrestler how to act. I think that may be the, the actual root of the problem as it stands right now. We have two completely different visions going on inside of the WWE, what Vince McMahon wants and the talent that he has. Because he's only got, what, maybe a half a dozen guys on that roster that are truly WWE guys? Look at the Ring of Honor roster from 10 years ago. Look at the WWE roster now. It's pretty much the same freaking roster. They have a bunch of pro wrestlers that they want to be Emmy award-winning actors. And it's just not logical or feasible at this point. Maybe what WWE needs to do is go hire a bunch of actors and teach them how to fucking wrestle. Just saying. Let's talk about uh, the guy that ruined professional wrestling and ruined the WWE, and that is Vince Russo. And uh, I, I firmly stand by that after listening to this John Moxley interview. And Moxley said, you know, WWE started going downhill about 2002. I think it was actually before that. I think what ruined the WWE is when Vince Russo left the WWE. Now, I'm not a Vince Russo guy. I think I've made that perfectly clear over the course of the years here on the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling podcast, but it was when Vince Russo and Ed Ferrara left WWE that the writing committee started, and now we've got 37 fucking writers. If Vince Russo and Ed Ferrara would have just stayed, maybe we wouldn't have 37 goddamn writers. I have to, I have to disagree with you here. 
the the problem back then is a lot of the same issue today. It, it didn't matter if if Vince was going to stay there. I think you know Vince really left. Mr. Russo and Ferrer left because they saw the writing on the wall because the princess was returning from college with all of her That's grand ideas of, of how this company should be run. You know, up there at, with That's Boston, very you, valid point. you know, we're, we're going aggressively forward. This is how you have think tanks. You have to bring all these individuals together. Stephanie was going to come in and make her mark immediately. The writing was on the wall. I mean, she, I mean, look, they got the hell out of Dodge. She ran Pritchard out. That whole regime was going to be tossed aside for the new age thinking of Stephanie McMahon. And, and we see that to this day, you know, as we go now into where it isn't really, you know, a lot about even the programming about what we're actually watching there. It's about the PR outside. How can they move things? All of our buzzwords that we're regularly hitting on. It was Stephanie McMahon, you know, and when it comes down to getting her way, the princess is not going to hear no from Papa Vince. Yep. Well, that just throws out my argument. You nailed the shit out of that one. Uh, but I, I find it hilarious how many people got worked by this Vince Russo thing. Oh, I love it. I love it. I mean, I am just in awe of how many people got worked by this thing. Vince Russo puts out a tweet the other day that basically says, I don't know how you're not seeing this. WWE and AEW are in bed together in this thing. And the internet lost their damn minds. On a week when AEW has their debut show, on a week when the WWE is getting ready to go over to Saudi Arabia, on a week when there is an NXT takeover, Vince Russo steals all the headlines with this asinine tweet. And people just sold it like mad for him. He got so much free press out of this stupid tweet. Like, I, I, the only thing that I'll say about this, number one, I applaud you, Mr. Russo. I think this was just masterfully done. But I would like to point out that in order for this to work, Vince Russo had to use Eric Bischoff's oldest marketing tactic in the book. Controversy creates cash. Vince Russo needs ratings for his show. Matt Kuhn is leaving the show. He signed a deal with Podcast One or Westwood One, whichever one it is, it, for this show, and he has to show them that he can pull numbers in changing the format. He puts out this tweet, everybody's going to listen to the show, controversy creates cash, and Mr. Russo, I applaud you, sir. Well, you know, even take it a little bit further to, to really, you know, throw some some fuel on the fire you know he enlists the help of some great conspiracy minds some guy because you know what we always talk about you know we'll, you know when we throw out the term like mark tar you know what that really means is it's someone that really can't back up a stance you don't have to agree with our take on everything but come with a logical explanation so in this in general statement mr russo is like okay i, I might get torched over this thing let me go get some great minds you know if if they believe it or not they know how to twist logic. They know how to, you know, you know, put the put together the pieces of a puzzle, if you will, to paint this picture to get all this heat, this atomic heat that Russo has generated. I would love to know what his numbers and, and subs for, you know, his patriarch and all that are at right now. Because man, he this this stunt that he pulled knocked it out of the park. 
I mean, for anybody who has ever listened to Vince Russo for more than about five minutes knows Vince Russo's idol in all of human existence is Howard Stern. And this was totally a 1990s Howard Stern stunt. Now, and the thing that makes this work is the ECW connection, right? Because we all know the stories of Vince McMahon secretly financing ECW. Like, it's real easy to, like, draw out a series of dots so that people can connect them. I mean, all the way down to Alpha Entertainment. Yeah, you know, I can't I can't siphon money through Titan because that's a publicly traded company. So let's let's run everything through Alpha Entertainment. And then you have Jericho calling himself the Alpha. And you know, like it's real easy to draw these lines. But guys, stop it. I mean, just come on. I actually actually I heard I heard that there's uh, some rumblings uh looking to I, I know that the XFL's already has some regular season TV deals in place, but I heard that TNT might carry their championship game. <laughs> I mean, it just i could not believe how this story took off man just lit the internet on fire and the, immediately when i saw it i just that's genius that was my first thought that was genius. my, my first thought okay uh, my first thought is he's fishing and this was just like one thread that i saw and i looked down and within like five minutes of this there's 86 comments then i scroll over to the next group you know that i follow and and they're in there they're in there hitting on that one and there's a hundred comments i go over to twitter and there's thousands of people reacting to this thing and it's like bravo bravo mr russo it, you knocked it out of the park with this one yes well done sir well done i applaud you i applaud you so huckleberry let's talk a little bit of aew yeah, we've got John Moxley all over the first half of this show today. It's absolutely hey, insane. Hey, hey, just hey, just like in real life right now, he's everywhere. He is everywhere. And this this won't be the last time we talk about him. No. Let's start off with the AEW calendar. People are wondering <coughs> Excuse me. People are wondering what uh, AEW is going to do to stay relevant throughout the summer, obviously, as we wait for the October TV deal to kick in. Well, we've got a series of shows scheduled now, Huckleberry. Fight for the Fallen, Saturday, July 13th, is going to be in Jacksonville, Florida. Tickets are now available for that show. All out, August 31st, in Chicago, on sale June 14th. StarCast 3 tickets on sale right now. That's going to be August 29th through September 1st. Huckleberry, are you going all out? You know it, baby. Assuming that we can get tickets, of course. Uh, but the next event that they have coming up is Fighter Fest coming up on June 29th in Daytona Beach. Tickets went on sale a couple of days ago, May 29th. This thing is being put on by CEO Gaming. And Kenny Omega, he did a series of shows last year with CEO Gaming. And I didn't necessarily pay a whole lot of attention to it. It had a bunch of New Japan talent on it, but it was more like a true one-off, completely outside side of the narrative and so now with aew partnering with ceo gaming i was like all right what is this ceo gaming thing all about so i went and i started reading about fighter fest rick this is basically a comic-con that is put on by this company and it is strictly for fighting video games like street fighter mortal Kombat, tekken in 2017, they had 4,000 people at this freaking thing. This is like 
It's a Comic-Con for video game nerds. That's what's going on here. That's what CEO Gaming is. Kenny Omega's been doing a lot of press with him. He seemed, th- this seems like a natural partnership. He's, he's basically become the white Xavier Woods for AEW. He's, he's linking the video game world and the wrestling world. And I thought it was hilarious. I'm looking at all the people who work, the, the hierarchy of the CEO gaming company. Dude, they're a bunch of marks. There's like, like 10 people on their board and at least half of them are wearing bullet club shirts and their profile picks. Uh, hey, maybe they got a discount on uniforms. Hey, there you go. This just seems like a match made in heaven to me. Yeah, and this, I know he's been doing work with those things. I've looked into this thing myself. So it looks like we're only going to get a ha- like a handful of AEW representatives here. And then we're going to have some other promotions represented and some different things going on. But uh, there certainly looks like something that's going to be that, you know, anybody that's is continuing to support AEW or just kind of interested in checking something different out, uh, maybe a different vibe. You know, I, I'm believing this is going to be streaming somewhere. I can't remember off the top of my head where I saw that, but it will be available. I'm looking forward to it, too. We got some interesting matches on this show. Um, there are four announced matches. Cody is going to take on Darby Allen, which intrigues me greatly. If you have seen any of Darby Allen's work, he's uh, kind of a cross between a luchador and Jimmy Havoc. Uh, the, the, the guy, he, he'll do deathmatch stuff, but he's incredibly athletic, very skateboardy. It's going to be interesting to see him match up with Cody. I'm looking forward to that match. The elite are going to take on the Lucha Bros and a mystery partner. Now, this was originally supposed to be Pac. Now it's going to be a mystery partner. Rick, who fits in with the Lucha Bros? on the AEW roster. Like, is this going to be like the Luchasaurus? That was going to be my first one. I said, I'm going with, if I, if the Lucha bros need a little help, you think they would turn to the Luchasaurus? You know, I, I know both of us, you know, huge fans of his work, you know, the, the look, his style, everything about the guy that vibe really has it there. I think he has potential to be a, truly a great star for AEW. A uh, shame, a shame that he's gone from Ring of Honor. Were you, were you surprised to see that he signed an actual contract with AEW? Uh, I, that's what I was saying. You know, my first thought was, I mean, what a, what a loss for Ring of Honor. I was really enjoying, you know, the spots that he was doing there for them. Like I said, this guy, I think he's got the potential. When we talk about, you know, just that it, the, the charisma, you're looking at different styles. I mean, this guy is going to, he's really going to shine under that banner. I like it. Uh, then we have a, a couple more matches announced here. Michael Nakazawa, which is quickly becoming my favorite character on Being the Elite, is going to take on Jay Bailey. Uh, Jay Bailey is a name that I have heard many times on the independent scene, but I don't think I've ever actually seen one of his matches. Uh, and then we have what I am considering the main event of this thing, the the match with the most storyline build. And we'll talk about the storyline because I think it's freaking hilarious. John Moxley is going to take on Joey Janela at a video game convention. Why are we doing this match at a video game convention? Like, doesn't this seem like the kind of match that you would want to save for like regular TV or a pay-per-view? Well, um, you know what? That's the initial thought. Hey, let's get some serious build behind this thing. Let's get some real heat. Let these guys just go out there and, and you know, tear down the world, burn it down, if you will. But I'm thinking this might be the beginning of something. Let's kick it off here. As you said, look at 
look at you got four thousand people in attendance. You got all these eyes here. You know, some fans that as you said the company itself, they're big supporters, but those in attendance might not really be as familiar with AEW right now. But you know, at some point, I'm going to guess, you know, if they're over the top into gaming, especially fighting, at one point they were huge into professional wrestling. So that might be a whole audience out there that they want to grab right now. So let's run something intense out there like this. I mean, this thing screams, if you've got a good portion of this 4,000 in attendance here, or and maybe not all those eyes are on the wrestling part of this thing, but let's say a good chunk of it is, and you got a, you got a portion of that audience that remembers the Attitude Era, you know, who remembers ECW, I mean, this is your grab. This match is being built around a cigarette. That's what this match is being built around. Joey Janela walks into John Moxley's dressing room, and he lights a cigarette. He takes one puff off of it. He puts it up to his lips to take another puff, and John Moxley takes a cigarette right out of his mouth, takes a nice big long drag off of it, and tosses it. And Joey Janela is just irate that John Moxley just wasted a whole cigarette. Uh, have you seen the prices of cigarettes today? I, dude, I'm a smoker. Of course I have. <laughs> Good God Almighty! I I I understand it, man. But dude, I got I got to give it up to Joey Janela. The way that he sold that was just great, especially wearing sunglasses to get that much of a facial expression. He was just seething, pissed that John Moxley threw away his cigarette. Hey, simplicity. I would I would say simplicity at its best here. But you know what? You know what this program really would have needed here. I mean, you have that great moment there with the cigarette. They needed to like wait like just 10 minutes and then have Joey Janela come out and cut like a 20 minute promo about how that was his last cigarette. Oh my God. <laughs> Joey Janela is just something else. It should have been my last drag. That's what RuPaul said. So let's throw it over to your best of Super Juniors update. <laughs> Best of the Super Junior. Time is Well, Huckleberry, the A block is now settled. The A block finishing up this morning. B block will be finishing up on Monday morning. Your winner of the A block. Shingo Takagi. I don't think any big surprise to anyone. Shingo goes through the A block undefeated, defeating Taiji Ishimori this morning. Dragon Lee coming in tied with Ishimori with 14 points. Show and Marty Skrull with 10. Jonathan Gresham, Titan, Kanemaru with 6. Tiger Mask with 4. And Taka Michinoku, who withdrawed from the tournament thanks to injury, Finishes with zero points. Huckleberry, I know that you are not a fan of junior heavyweight wrestling in any way, shape, or form. But on this show this morning, we saw Dragon Lee versus Marty Skrull with Brody King in his corner. That match is absolutely fantastic. And then we had the knockdown dragout for the winner of the A block. Shingo versus Ishimori. Shingo getting the big win. Are you watching any of this stuff? I am, you know, for the sake of conversation here, I've been trying to keep up on this. Now, let me ask you, it's, you know, as we kind of do when we get into the New Japan stuff, uh, I represent, you know, us Westerners here that, that aren't as involved as you throw out the, the hard-hitting questions. 
Now, Shingo, he has a win over Dragon Lee in this tournament. Correct. So he so he is automatically guaranteed an opportunity at, at the junior championship. Uh, if he goes on to win this, does he get two of those? Well, I don't think they've ever really worked that out. I don't never. Th- I don't think I've ever seen them actually give somebody two matches, like even if they win the tournament. I've never. Okay. Se- I've never seen. Well, a I, you know, just on that. you know, like like you had like a double opportunity. So if you didn't get it done the first time, you know that was that was just me beating the champ. Now I want to cash in my my opportunity for winning the tournament. The thing I find interesting is Hiromu. Hiromu was watching this show. He was putting up pictures of uh, his his, uh, his family and Daryl Takahashi's family. Seems like Daryl and Carol had some more kids while Hiromu's been hurt. Uh, but he hashtagged it with basically Hiromu's watching and hashtag NJPW best of super juniors. Uh, so, Rick, we know it's coming. It's just really a matter of when Dragon Lee is still paying homage to Kamatachi, Hiromu Takahashi's character in CMLL. That match is obviously going to happen, whether Dragon Lee has the title or not. Um, I guess let's let's talk a little bit about Monday, because Monday we're going to see the winner of the B-Block crowned. This is down to a two-horse race in the B-Block, and the two horses couldn't be more different. The two horses are Will Ospreay with 12 points and Taguchi with 12 points. Taguchi upsets El Fantasmo Thursday morning in a fantastic match. Goes 20 minutes and 18 seconds. I've been saying the one time you take Taguchi serious is the best of Super Juniors. El Fantasmo, Bushi, Robbie Eagles, and Yo all finish with 10 points. Um, so it's going to be Taguchi versus Osprey to win the B block. You have to assume Will Osprey is going to win that match. Which leaves us with Mon- uh, on June fifth, rather, Osprey versus Shingo Takagi. Is that where Shingo takes his first loss? Because Shingo is not hurt at all by losing to Osprey. Uh, how much does it elevate him? I mean, because you know, on the on the other side, I mean, Osprey's not going to be hurt by losing this thing here. I mean, do, do you elevate somebody here, or do you kind of go back to that well? See, now I disagree. I think Osprey is hurt by a loss to any junior at this point because well, I, 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 wanted, I was going to ask you about that. Isn't he trying to break away from that that mold? Yeah, and I, what I'm thinking is I think Will Osprey may win this tournament, and then rather than fighting against Dragon Lee, declare that he is going to the G1. And so you see Osprey do both the best of super juniors and the G1 climax, in which case I don't think he can take a loss to Shingo. I really do kind of like that story that you're, that you're pitching here. The, the potential of someone who, who's won the, the junior and then going into the G1. I mean, that's a great that's a great story. Some great momentum heading into the biggest tournament of the year there. I just wonder, you know, with my original thought, I, I really like what you just pitched there. But, you know, with my original thought, you know, it's you kind of you, you go out on your back like you do a little business. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely understand that. And I, I'm not going to be upset if Shingo Takaki wins the best of Super Juniors. And, and you know, it, what's which kind of you know when we talk about the Super, not the Super Juniors, when the Juniors division here, I mean, this kind of is the only time that it really matters. You know, it, it quickly fades away. You know, right now, I, think, I mean, hell, we're not even there is hardly any mention of, of the junior tag division because it's kind of in that same boat. So, I mean, with him. Isn't that more of disrespect towards that division, though? Like, you know what? Okay, I just dominated it. I don't really care about the title opportunity. I'm moving on. 
I mean, isn't that doing a little disservice? Yeah, I could see that too. I could see that too. I mean, I, I still really like your idea. I'm just kind of looking at you know both sides of the coin here. You know, I mean, what is? Or I, I guess the other option is Osprey challenges for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship at Dominion, and Dragon Lee just beats him in what will surely be an absolutely freaking insane match, and that's Osprey send off of the Junior Division. You know what? I, I think you. You kind of, you know, we were talking about we need to find hybrids, come together, you know, a meeting of, uh, of different styles, ideas here. I think that's the route because then, you know, Shingo's already been elevated here. He's had an incredible tournament. He showed his dominance. There is no shame in his game losing to, to Osprey here. So then Osprey goes and takes on the champ. The champs struggle a little bit there. As you said, traditionally, the champs, they usually do inside the tournament. But, you know, one on one here with Dragon Lee going up against, you know, someone who's really defined that division for so long in Osprey. He gets that big win there. It elevates the championship, the champ. And then you've got these other competitors ready to go. At that point, you know, while Osprey can just, you know, really kind of just ride off into the sunset. You know, hey, hat, hats off, you know. Maybe even throw in, you know, I've been thinking about, you know, I had a great run here through the Super Juniors, but I've had something in the back of my mind. And, and maybe that took that took my eye off the prize. But now I need to focus on what that was. And it is the G1. And especially with Hiromu coming back, if Hiromu, if you switch out Osprey and Hiromu inside of the junior division, you're not losing anything whatsoever. And and, then within, you know, what you were kind of pitching there, Osprey can just say, hey, my goal is to make it to both finals. But at the G1, I will claim the championship, you know, claim the tournament. And it's really, really hard to argue that Will Ospreay has had the best tournament. Ospreay is making literally everybody look freaking great while still winning his matches. He's getting everybody over inside of this tournament, even in winning matches. Um, When I look at the first half of the year, as we're just about halfway through now, it's really hard to argue that Will Ospreay is probably the wrestler of the year at this point. This kid is just having an amazing 2019 if you're into that style what he is doing i mean no matter what narrative you're really looking at it's a hard argument i mean it's it's hard to dispute and he's got everything i mean he can wrestle he can fly he he can get into a strike fest he's got charisma like what is missing from the will osprey package or uh, you know what i I just kind of comes to memory though uh, the great Ben Hameen. Could someone fucking explain Osprey to me? <laughs> I just I don't see any holes in Osprey's game. Let's uh take a look at Wednesday. Wednesday, June fifth is going to be the best of the Super Juniors final. A block winner versus B block winner. We're also going to have. Uh, a couple of other big matches. Number one, Tomohiro Ishii is going to take on Tai Chi for the Never Open Weight Championship. I really hope that Ishii just pounds the ever loving hell out of Tai Chi. Uh, the only good thing about Tai Chi is Miho Abe. And then we also have Juice Robinson versus John Moxley for the IWGP United States Championship. Uh, Rick, I'm really surprised this match is happening in Ryagoku and not at Dominion, um, which is just a couple of days later, June 9th. I don't know if there's some kind of conflict with uh, Moxley's schedule or what, but I, I absolutely thought this matchup would be at Dominion. And then we have your main event of the evening. That's right. Moxley versus Robinson's not even the main event. Go Ace. It's the return 
of Hiroshi Tanahashi, the Japanese John Cena. He makes his grand return against the former IWGP World Heavyweight Champion Switchblade, Jay White, the man who took the title from Hiroshi Tanahashi. Um, Rick, I'm very intrigued by this matchup. Number one, it's going to be great to see the ace back, see what kind of shape he's in, how he can go. And I'm also fascinated if Tanahashi gets his win back over Switchblade here because we haven't really seen a whole lot of Switchblade since Madison Square Garden. We know it really jumped out to me. Uh, that's my first thought was, hey, I, I was intrigued by this thing. I love it when these guys hook up. It's just going to be the next great chapter for me. Uh, but I was surprised to see this was getting some heat over in the PW Hustle uh, discussion group on Facebook. You know, they were kind of comparing this to, you know, this is kind of WWE-ish in it. with same old, same old. How many times everybody gets this? But this, to me, that doesn't have that same vibe because I don't see them on a weekly basis. It's not like they're getting run out there in like tags. And, a, and I know that is a style for New Japan, but it, it, they haven't they haven't worn this out yet. No, I, throughout the Best of Super Juniors tour, we saw Tanahashi. I think we've seen Switchblade on maybe one show. Um and it was in a tag match. Tanahashi came out and announced that he was returning. Switchblade was pissed off about it. Um, I, I'm actually looking forward to this match. Well, yeah, and you're looking for, I mean, especially with the Big Dominion show coming up, which is, I mean, that's that's like the marquee. Or for this, this is a tremendous main event here for this. And as I said, this is going to be your, your next chapter. And it's who's going to lose. I mean, I don't see Tanahashi losing in his return match. I don't see that happening. I also don't see Switchblade Jay White losing in his first singles match since dropping the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. He's been one of the most protected guys in the company since he returned from Excursion. I don't know how this thing goes. This thing, you know, it's almost a coin flip, but it's going to be very telling, I believe, of where these guys are going to stand as we really start gearing up for G1. Yeah, I'm, I'm fascinated by this matchup because I feel like both guys need a win. And I don't feel like either one can afford a loss. When do they announce the G1 blocks? Well, they're already starting to announce uh, competitors. It seems like we're spacing them right. out a little bit. The first uh, match announced for the Dallas show is Tomohiro Ishii versus Jeff Cobb. Hell yeah, Jeff Cobb in the G1, John Moxley in the G1, Ishii in the G1. I mean, dude, just think of how many dream matches you could have with John Moxley in the G1. Oh, it's going to be absolutely insane. We talk about the buzz. I mean, it was one of those things. As soon as I saw the graphic, I mean, I shot up out of out of the chair I was sitting in, like you know, disbelief. Yes, this is happening. And remember how excited we were over the you know the possibility of Dolph Ziggler being in this position a couple of weeks ago. Uh, thank thank you for proving us wrong. One thing that I I got to give Moxley credit for. In that Jericho interview, he talks about the filming of that prison thing and how they went out to L.A. and they shot it on set, right? And on this set, there's all these different kind of setups. Like there's a prison scene and there's a bar and there's there's a courthouse and all this other stuff. And I was like, oh, there's a bar, huh? Yeah, this was shot at the same time. That Time's Up vignette? That was shot at the same time as the prison break video. I guarantee you that was done by the same people, which tells me that John Moxley knew he was going to Japan in February. Just saying. Hey, I still think I know it's, it's a, a topic for another day, but, to, you know, just kind of to entice the listeners, maybe get a little buzz going on it. We, we hit it on it. We hit on it. No, I believe it was in the locker room the other day. Correct. We were talking about 
all these ties between these talents and these companies. I mean, is is the healing process on with AEW New Japan? What is up with the relationship with, with New Japan and Ring of Honor? You toss in MLW, who we saw, you know, their talents were performing at Double or Nothing. We know that there's a little bit of heat there between them and Ring of Honor. How is this all going to play out? Well, and what, we're going to start getting some answers on Wednesday. Juice Robinson versus John Moxley might be the most important match of 2019. It's not going to be the best match, but it might be the most important match because th- there's a couple of things to consider here. Uh, IWGP US title on the line Juice Robinson current champion do you see John Moxley losing that match yeah neither do I but do you see Juice Robinson dropping the IWGP United States Championship to an AEW contracted wrestler and if so get ready for a political shitstorm because it's coming ROH is gonna be pissed and maybe there's a reason, you know, this is, maybe this is a long time coming. Ring of Honor's kind of seen the writing on the wall here. And it's the reason that they don't highlight that ch- that championship on their programming. Yeah. What happened to Juice Robinson is going to be spending a whole lot more time in Ring of Honor in 2019. He shows up in ROH, he forms Lifeblood, and then he goes back to Japan. <laughs> and then just, what the hell just happened here? Very, very strange. Do you really think that they're going to put the IWGP U.S. title on John Moxley? Or does this end in like a disqualification or something? See, that's that's what I am thinking. You know, maybe we just get some chaos here. Uh, but it, it's what you're talking about, just not his debut here and how hot he is. And they want to, you know, you kind of want to ride that that wave. I mean, you don't want him dropping this match heading into the G1. I mean, I'm assuming this is probably going to be his only match before that, correct? Right. So, yeah, you don't want him stumbling out of the blocks here. and You're getting all these people hyped up. Yeah, we're bringing in this hot Western talent. He's got, you know, new life in him. He's different than, than what you've remembered over these last couple of years. Oh, yeah, he just lost to our, to our, champ, to our United States champ. Well, and not, not just that. He just lost to Juice Robinson. Like, I, what, doesn't that damage Moxley in the AEW fan base eyes? It's like, oh, yeah, same old Dean Ambrose. Hey, you know, one thing we're kind of we're talking about, you know, involved, Juice's involvement with Ring of Honor. Do we know the details on that contract? Maybe he's getting the hell out of there. That, that's what I'm wondering. <laughs> very, very interesting. Well, Rick, let's uh, let's go ahead. Let's throw things over to our feature interview. You had a opportunity to sit down with Mr. Brandon Xavier, the battle on the border do, do do you guys call it the world heavyweight champion, or is he just the battle on the border heavyweight champion? We stick we stick to tradition, you know. And there, there's rules set in place for you to technically become a world heavyweight champion. So it's just the battle on the border pro wrestling heavyweight champion. But I'd like to add in here too. We got some great conversation. Uh, he's also the co-owner of Mega Championship Wrestling here in Northern Ohio. He's also the head trainer there. He's got some some very hot young talents out there. On the scene right now, I know he is very proud to see those individuals starting to break through. I think it's going to be a great listen. He's got some old school values, and he's got a lot of wealth to share. He's a great personality, great in-ring talent, and I had a it was awesome talking with him. Unfortunately, I was not able to be on the interview with you. I went and I had my eyes checked, Huckleberry, because, you know, I wear glasses and stuff. I got to do that like once a year. They put these like drops in my eyes that are like supposed to numb your eyes when they do the glaucoma test. 
And I think I had a bit of an allergic reaction to those drops. Every time I blinked, it felt like somebody was pouring battery acid into my eyes for about 36 hours. It was incredibly unpleasant. Uh, I'm just glad that they got you straightened out so you can start seeing things as clearly as I do. Yeah, you know, maybe uh, maybe it'll make me uh, like the professor and I'll start enjoying WWE television. Um, so let's go ahead. Let's throw it over to the interview with Mr. Brandon Xavier. I had a chance to listen to the interview as I was uh, cutting it up for the uh, show here. I think this is a great listen. We'll be right back on the other side to talk a little bit of Ring of Honor and some NXT. Enjoy the interview. We'll be right back. Fanatics, this is a Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast exclusive. As always, hashtag HTMPWPod is the flagship show on the Hitting the Marks Podcast Network in association with the GorillaPosition.com, Last Word on ProWrestling.com, and the Hami Media Group. My name is Rick Vickery, and right now it is my pleasure to welcome in our guest. He is a 16-year veteran within the business. He is the co-owner and head trainer for Mega Championship Wrestling and the current reigning defending Battle on the Border heavyweight champion. Welcome to the show, Mr. Brandon Xavier. How are you, sir? How's it going? I'm all right. Well, I really appreciate you uh, taking the time to sit down with us. I know, you know, the wealth of knowledge that you have, you know, that we could be able to, to pick your brain a little bit and, and go inside and, and get to know what really makes Miss, Mr. Xavier tick. Uh, all right, sounds good. <laughs> well, uh, Mr. Xavier, it's tradition here on the Hitting Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. We'd like to begin any conversation by going all the way back to the beginning. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about when and how you fell in love with professional wrestling and, and what exactly made you decide to get involved within this crazy business? Um, I was a fan ever since I was a little kid. Uh, and there'd be like Saturday night's main event on Channel 3 for us up here, which is like NBC or ABC or whatever. Um, and my grandparents wouldn't let me watch it, but they had like this little radio. And you could get the TV channels on the radio. And I would just listen to like the wrestling matches on those nights, you know. Um, and then growing up, seeing it on Saturday and Sunday mornings, it was, you know, everything about it I loved. You know, these larger-than-life characters, charismatic, um, you know, stuff like that. It was just, it was something I watched since I was a little kid. Well, I think it's, it was really interesting there, the way you described that, that you actually were able to, you know, fall in love, with, you know, with the sport of professional wrestling simply through the play-by-play. You and I, we're, we're in that, about that same age demographic. And, you know, I, I remember, you know, I'm pretty sure we, we kind of stumbled into professional wrestling around that same time, talking about, you know, the main events and then the weekend with uh, superstars and challenge. So many great characters that we had back there that were almost seeming missing today. Who were some of the, you know, the superstars of yesterday that, that really, you know, drawn you into professional wrestling? Uh, Jake the Snake Roberts, just because the way he talked. Um, I was a, oddly, I was a George Animal Steel fan because he was just like so out there. You know, of course, like guys like Macho Man and 
you know, Roddy Roddy Piper, uh, Junkyard Dog, Ron Simmons. Uh, there was just so many. Like I, I couldn't really pick one as a kid. Like I loved it all. Well, that's, you know, I was uh, kind of with you there. There was, there was like so much going on, and there's so many different personalities that you could kind of gravitate towards. You know, a little bit from each of them. Yeah, this was so my age too. Like there was a cartoon. Uh, I don't know if you remember that, but it was like yep. the Superstars or something like that. Hulk Hogan's Rocked in Wrestling. Yeah, that's what it was. Oh, man, that used to be the most exciting show to me. You know, of course, like, growing up, Hulk Hogan was, like, the biggest icon for me. Um, and then one day I was over at my cousin's, and he introduced me to, you know, the Road Warriors. And I was like, whoa, you know, the greatest. Look at these dudes. Um, that's kind of how, like, my childhood was. It was like, it was an escape. I, I got you. So as you're, as you're kind of growing, you know, into those teen years, later teen years, uh, like I said, you know, when did you start training? Two, 2002, correct? Yeah, somewhere around there. Somewhere there. So, I mean, what made you take, you know, decide to take that big leap from, okay, this is something, you know, as a, as a child, man, I, I am so involved in it. I love this thing. And I'm sure, you know, we both came up through, you know, where we had that resurgence through the attitude here and all that. I mean, what made you finally say, you know what, I'm going to make the commitment. I, I want to make this a huge part of my life. And you, you know, went on that pursuit as, in a career in professional wrestling. Oh, man, this is kind of funny. Okay. So, uh, I was with my son's mother, and we were kind of like on the outs, and I was looking for an escape to get away from her. So, it was, I was online one day, and I found the wrestling school. And I was like, you know what? Like, I've always wanted to do this. And I was like, I'm going to go for it. Uh, so, I found them online. Next day, I went to the school. Uh, when I showed up, they were like, oh, well, we don't have training tonight. Come back next week. I was like, well, are you open tomorrow? And they're like, yeah, you know, that's when the owner will be here, who is my, now my business partner. And uh, I was like, okay. So I came back the next day. Uh, got in. Very first bump, like, I took. It felt so natural to me. You know, I was like, this is what I want to do. You know, uh, I feel like I was trained old school. And it's not to take away from the people that train now, but it was a lot more harsh training then. Um, you know, because I see a lot of times people are like, oh, well, you shouldn't be chopping people. My third day, I got like 35 chops, and I just thought it was the greatest thing that my chest was purple <laughs> and black because this method, you know, if I made it through that, there was nothing that could take me, you know, that could stop me from doing this. It's like the ultimate, thank you, sir. May I have another? Yeah, it really was. I laid in a corner and just, it just kept on happening. I was like, ah, all right, I can take this. Well, so, you know, you, you immediately fell in love with it, you know, as you're, as you're telling us there from, you know, those first couple training sessions and all that. And obviously, that's continued, you know, as we were talking about 16-plus years in this business. You've been able to establish yourself, you know, throughout the Midwest and especially in the independent wrestling hotbed here in Ohio. Can you share, you know, maybe outside of those, that early training uh, just maybe some other stories about, you know, the general experiences in the business and how you've been able to evolve over all these years? Um, let's see, my training itself. I was trained by Chris Cole. He, uh, he actually trained, or uh, he was trained by Chris Hero. So it's kind of that lineage for me. And he went to uh, Arizona for a while. And... During that time, it was like, oh, I still like wrestling, but I don't like, you know, the trainer that I had at the time. 
And when he came back and he just, he was brutal. Uh, we would, we were doing gravel runs, you know, like where, oh, I forget what they're called, but basically, you know, we'd have to wheelbarrow each other in the parking lot that we had. And there was nothing but gravel on this parking lot. You know, he, he looked to kill us. He, it was basically, it's like some military. Either you have the heart to do this. Right. You have the heart to do this or you don't. And, you know, it was always my passive object. All right, whatever. I was in the Marines. This wasn't nothing. Yeah. Um, as far as evolving, um, I just always, I always see the people that are like, oh, well, the old ways, the old ways. Like, I, I was kind of trained in the old ways, and I still understand that you have to, the times have changed. You know, it's not the way it was before. I hate to say it, but nowadays anybody can be a wrestler. Um, not hate to say it, because if that's your passion, go for it. But I think a lot of people half-ass it. Um, nowadays, I think there's way too many training schools. And people who, as uh, you know, if you follow me on Facebook, I'm kind of controversial sometimes. I even said it. You know, there's a lot of people who are, there's a lot of trainers with trainees, but there's not a lot of trainees with trainers. Yeah, I, I, do, I actually do remember uh, remember that post. I actually used that for a little inspiration here in the conversation. I, I want to pull out, you know, that those philosophies from you, it's kind of a, a good transition here to the next question I have for you. You know, recently, uh, the first main event that I've ever personally had the honor of calling play-by-play for uh, was with Battle on the Border Pro Wrestling and involved yourself and Brian Pillman Jr. Uh, the two of you went out there and put on a 30-minute classic that the fans absolutely loved. As we're talking about these generations and, you know, and aging a little bit, what's you know, what's one of the tricks that you could let us in on, or maybe a handful of them, without exposing too much of, you know, how you're able to go out there and still hang with these young guns? Um, well, I'm in the gym a lot. Uh, and a lot of times I had to change my style up because I'm not going to keep up with you 30 minutes going fast pace. You know, that's not my thing. Um, when I was, you know, in my earlier years, I thought I had to do all the, you know, the innovative kind of offense and all this stuff. And then I realized as I was growing and evolving and meeting, like, you know, different people. Um, actually, I credit Greg Anthony from Tennessee. Uh, he was, I want to say, he was the NWA United States champion. Uh, national, oh, no, I'm sorry, United States, uh, NWA national heavyweight champion. Okay. I went down to Dyersburg, Tennessee, and I worked for him. And this was just a couple of years ago, and he's, he's like, you know, he's like, you don't have to do all that crazy stuff. He's like, you can go 20 minutes with a headlock sometimes. You know, and you're sitting there thinking like, oh, man, no, not these days. you got to be able to flip-flop and hip-hop. Well, we went out there, and 22 minutes on, and I think about, you know, it was a wrestling match. And that really, like, helped develop my style now where it's you don't have to do everything in the book. You know, you can, how do I put this, you can entertain the crowd, still wrestle, and, you know, they'll be engaged in it. Engage your fans. That's the number one thing. It's not about the moves to me anymore. It's about you come to be entertained, I'm going to entertain you, however it is. You know, if you see me wrestle, you know, I have more of a brawler style. Um, my students always get on me because they're like, well, how come you don't chain more? I'm like, eh, 
I like to chain wrestle, but I always get stuck with guys who want to go straight to a hammerlock. And there's, there's one thing I can't stand in wrestling, it's a hammerlock. Um, and it's just because it's like a go-to for people who don't know how to chain. And so, you know, I had to change my style to go with the people that I'm wrestling with, and that's how I've always tried to evolve. It's some great insight. I, I do I want to kind of mention here, as you're talking about, you know, the certain styles and almost, you know, kind of like that less is more. I want to recall uh, just something you shared on Facebook not long ago where you were working in a, I, I believe, a, a new arena, unfamiliar with the audience, and they opened up, you know, early in the match with a this is boring chant, uh, only by, you know, by the time the three count came around, that they, it was a standing ovation. Um. That was, okay, that was, let's see. Well, I happened kind of twice this month, or last month. Uh, the first time was in Alabama. Um, that's a funny story because we get there. And if you know my gimmick, it's kind of like uh, a thug pimp type thing. Not too much thug, just I'm, I'm a very sarcastic person. And the whole pimp thing was just for entertainment value. But the person that you see in the ring is actually just me amped up. You know, um... Well, that's and you know, what I, they say is always take the personality and just turn it up to 10. Oh, yeah. And that's really what I do. Um, we get there, and they're like, yeah, you know, look, you're, you're a baby face. Have you ever been a baby face? Before? I'm like, I've been in business 16 years. I hope I've been a baby face a few times. <laughs> um, they're like, well, they might not take to you. And, you know, um, not to sound, you know, it was a race thing, but... I had one of the other guys go to like, yeah, they don't really cheer, you know, minorities here. I was like, oh, that's cool. I was like, they went on about 10 minutes. <laughs> and we went out there. And, you know, at first, it was kind of like, oh, this guy, new guy from nowhere. About two minutes later, they, you know, I had these people chanting, too. And, uh, cause it just, it's just my style, my personality, the charisma that I did with it. You know, it's like... People want to hate me, but they want to like me at the same time. It's the weirdest thing. I think it's, you know, it really speaks to, you know, the traditions of professional wrestling. I mean, you can go out there and have the most impressive athletic moveset in the world, but it really comes down to that persona and being able to tell a story inside that ring. Yeah, and that's, to me, that's the biggest thing. Is I love telling a story, um, especially in wrestling, you know, the good versus bad, can the, you know, can the hero overcome the villain? But it's the story of how it happens in the ring to me. Yeah. It's like the most important. Well, I know, you know, uh, when, it, when it comes to inside the ring, you're still very much on top of your game, but uh, you've also, you know, in the last couple of years, have, have come to embrace your role as the head trainer for Mega Championship Wrestling. Uh, recently, you've been a very happy Papa Bear with the success of such students as uh, Paxton Callaway, Jackson Stone, Jocelyn Navarro. The list can go on and on. Can you share with us some of uh, the core beliefs behind your teachings? Um, well, the very first thing I saw them during their tryout is I'm not here to be your friend at first. I've earned my way into, into this brotherhood, sisterhood. And you have to do the same with me. Like a lot of my students I have, I don't even know their names for the first two months because that's how many come and go. Because, you know, when we have our crowds, I always, I always ask, well, why do you want to do this? Well, this has been a passion of mine since I was a little kid. I've always wanted to do this. You know, I want to prove to people that I can. 
And it's basically the same answer every time. But there's a lot of them that once they realize that it's not just getting a ring and, you know, goof off and it, it gets serious, that they don't want to do it. But my philosophy has always been, you don't quit on me, I don't quit on you. Um, I have a student who is has a developmental disability, and I, I've tried to be real forward with him about what he's going to do. Like, my biggest thing with my students, my philosophy is I don't, I don't BS nobody. I'm straight up, you know, this is what it is. Take it or leave it. You know, um, if you, you know, if you take it, now you're saying that you want to prove me wrong, which I have no problem being proven wrong. Um, but like my students, I tell them, what you put into this is what you're going to get out of it. You know, the opportunities that you get aren't always going to be there. You're not always going to get that fair shake. You're going to develop faster than some people. Other people are going to develop faster than you. People who shouldn't get opportunities are going to get them over you. And you're going to question yourself and question wrestling. I'm like, but you just have to look past it and realize, don't worry about the next man's journey. Worry about your own. So that's kind of, you know, the way that they know that... I'm not blowing smoke up. I'm like, oh, well, you know, you come train with me. I'm going to get you to the WWE. You know, you come train with me, and I'll get you all these connections. I'll start you. I'll guide you. But you have to put in the work yourself. Now, it's obvious, you know, you you do have that old school mentality. You're you're very realistic in your approach, you know, with your students. You know, it seems like, you know, you're there to offer them. You're going to give them the best support system you can. But ultimately, you know, there is a reality to this, uh, and it is something they have to face. But outside of, like, that old school kind of thinking, you know, with the the ever-evolving landscape in professional wrestling, and as it keeps pace with, let's say, the real world, if you will, uh, have, have you begun to incorporate any like social media merchandising or like overall branding into your teachings? Uh, no, I trying to if I understand the question right. Well, you know, we see the success so much of you know easy to compare is comparable now is you know how like the young bucks uh, have kind of mastered this art, you know that. They took themselves from, you know, independent darlings to, you know, true megastars just mainly because of how they handled their social media. Then they branched that in, you know, to merchandising, everything we saw with the Bullet Club gear, and just overall, uh, you know, just marketing of themselves. Uh, okay, yeah. I mean, so that, like, I'm not the best example for them to uh, follow on social media. You know, I, I try to tell them, like, don't do what I do. <laughs> you know, understand that... You are, you're going to have people looking at you and looking at what you say and what you post. You know, uh, we do like during our class, because I basically, I cover from A to Z from the minute they walk into the arena to the minute they leave the arena, you know, and all the stuff in between. Um, but when it comes to that, you know, I have a couple guys that come in and they're more social media friendly than I am. Mm-hmm. Um, me, I'm more of a, I'm going to say it even if you don't like it, and I really don't care what the repercussions are. Uh, but I try to steer them away from that. You know, I'm like, don't make the mistakes I did. And that's the biggest thing I tell them. I'm like, listen, like, 16 years ago, when I started, you know, I got the old rookie of the year thing in Ohio and all this stuff. 
like I was on top of my world. I thought I was headed, you know, to TNA, WWE, all that other stuff. I was like, and my ego followed with that. Like I was one of those people that got too much too soon, probably. And it kind of just backfired on me. And I try to, you know, like you can't do that nowadays. You have to stay humble with what you do and what you say. You know, uh, let the fans know that they are important. Um, to me, back then, you know, when I used to merch, I would buy shirts. I'd get like 50 shirts per show, and I would sell out of them. So my first two, three years, I had like five or six shirt designs, and I was walking out of shows as a rookie with, you know, three, $400 just from shirt sales. Um, and I tell them, but you can do that. You just have to market yourself. And when I started, that's, you know, we didn't have the the way social media is now today. Well, I have to tell you, you know, it's, especially, you know, through the, you know, those 2000s, though, in that mid part of your career to where you are now, it, it's really just, I mean, the boom has been incredible uh, about the reach, just, you know, from individual talents to the promotions, you know, the reach that the fans that they can get themselves in front of just through social media. Yeah, yeah, you keep it. I have fans that, like, uh, I think nowadays, like, the fans are, I don't want to say too involved in wrestling, but they just, they know, it's just kind of like, a lot of times, it's, they kind of want to be in the business, but not in the business, but they want to talk about the business. And, you know, for me, it doesn't matter, like, this whole AEW, you know, there's pro-AEW, anti-WWE fans, like, no, you know, it ain't that hard to like both. But you enjoy wrestling. It doesn't matter if it's one segment, two segments. If you don't like the show, don't watch the match at that time. You know, and so I try to tell them, like, you know, wrestling is wrestling. You watch the good, you watch the bad. Like, I used to take my students to shows that I knew would be bad on purpose. I'm like... All right, you guys are in for an experience. And but the fans there still believe even on bad shows. I'm like, you watch the fans, don't watch the wrestlers. You know the wrestling's gonna be bad. So I watch how these fans interact. You know, uh so yeah, the social media thing is sometimes really crazy because I'll get messages from fans all the time. Um, you know, and I had to kind of delete some people before because it's like if I'm in like a promotion group or something that I worked for and, you know, like Battle on the Border. I'm very active on their page. have been since day one. Um, say what you want to me, but when you come on my personal page, even though it's 99% of my stuff is either wrestling related or, or memes, uh, don't talk to me however you want because that's still, you're going to meet the person that's behind the Brandon Xavier, not the Brandon Xavier that gets paid by somebody to entertain you. I think you you bring up a good point there. It's it, where when you blur those lines, especially in professional wrestling, because it's not like any other form of entertainment. You know, where we see television and movie. Professional wrestling has always been so great because it truly blurs the lines between the individual and the character. And, and in today's world, where you know you as a talent and those that you you know your students and all that, they're easily accessible by fans, and, and some fans really can't make that distinction, and they don't know when to you know you know, where boundaries are at. Yeah, I don't, I don't really have that many problems with that. One student in particular, she, you know, sometimes has those fans that don't know their boundaries. Um, But that's just, that's overall in general with the women in wrestling because 
you have the guys who, guy fans who were just all about the TNA with them and, you know, it's, they overlook the, the wrestling aspect. Um, as for myself and Vega, like I, last year I turned our matches into, we no longer do inter, it's not intergender matches. I wrestle, I book stuff based on talent. You know, if you're a damn good female wrestler, you're going to wrestle a guy, you know, or vice versa, or, you know, there's no, I don't want to say there's no gender because I know how it's still mixed from places. But to me, I don't look at it that way. Yeah, you're just essentially, when you're putting your card together and there's marquee matches, you're just looking for the cream of the crop to square off with each other inside the ring. Exactly. Um, You know, and that's just, there is no, well, you're a female, so you won't be able to accomplish this, or, you know, you won't be able to do this. It's like, well, you can do whatever you want. You know, like, let's entertain the fans. Well, speaking of uh, cream of the crop, uh, you actually, you have some, some ties with some great friends of the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. I, I know you've, you've, you've done some work with, you've been involved with current Ring of Honor champions, Kelly Klein and Shane Taylor. Uh, they, they're regulars here on the show. There, there's another guest that, that we have on, uh, and this name really jumped out to me. At a recent Future Great Wrestling event, you went one-on-one with the CAC Hall of Fame trainer, Cody Hawk. And it was talent versus talent, trainer versus trainer. How was that experience? Uh, amazing. I've always wanted to work Cody. Um, I can't say enough good things about him. Um, I, like, that was, when I found out I was where I was really excited. You know, I have, like, a great deal of respect for him and everything that he's done. And when it comes to trainers, that's he's the bar that I'm trying to get to, you know. Um, so that experience was just amazing, just, you know, how he worked in the ring, talking in the back, how he runs his promotion, you know. Um, you know I, anybody that's, like, down in that area that wants to be a professional wrestler needs to go to Cody. Um I, I know, you know, just, I, I grew up in Southern Ohio there, so, you know, all the ties to HWA with Mr. Hawk and all that. I mean, there are people that have, have come, you know, long distances just to, you know, just to get a, a, a drink of his knowledge. Yeah, uh, that was like, you know, another, I don't know, I'm going to say Cody's probably in his 40s. I'm in my 40s, and the fact that we went 30 minutes was just kind of like, eh. We just showed these kids what to do, you know. Uh, but yeah, it was a it was a humbling experience. Uh, very, very nice. Well, well, back in February, you pinned Bullet Club member Chase Owens to become the new Battle on the Border heavyweight champion. Uh, since then, you successfully defended your title against Brian Pillman Jr. Battle on the Border Pro Wrestling has an epic two-day extravaganza coming up. Uh, that, and obviously, you know, they emulate out of Southern Ohio. Those are going to shows are going to take place Friday, June seventh, and Saturday, June eighth. Uh, on that tour, you're scheduled to defend the championship against your very own student in Jackson Stone. Uh, two questions here. At first, what does it mean mean to you personally to represent a promotion as its champion? And will you still be in that position come June ninth? Um, what is it? You know, it, to me, it's what it means to me is the hard work that I put in. Um, when I, because I had known Denon before he started promoting, we had, you know, some random conversations 
And he had hit me up one time. I was like, hey, I'm going to start running. would like to bring you in, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Just let me know, man. I was like, whatever. I, I get that a lot. You know, hey, I'm going to start running. Um, so it was just one of those things that, okay, cool. Well, then when he hit me up, you know, and was like, hey, this is my dates that I have. Can you do all these dates? I was like, yeah. Um, first time I came down, I was with my tag partner, Big Mo. We were doing the meat and taters. And it was basically, you know, I was the complete unknown guy. Nobody from that area knew me. There was guys that, you know, were on the show that have traveled everywhere. Uh, guys that, you know, he brings in a bunch of stars. And it's kind of like, all right, I got to set myself apart from everybody else to show that I belong with those guys, that, you know, I can be that guy. Um, then, you know, we split up the tag team and I kind of, Develop that with the fans, you know, to, to just hate me so much that as soon as my music hits, you know, I've gotten FUs and, you know, you sucks and all the other stuff that goes with it. Um, you know, like in the group, we're always like, oh, you can't win without cheating. It's like, well, I'm still winning though, you know. Um, but it's a fact that I went from not knowing, nobody knowing me to being the top guy. It shows that, you know, I made the fans care. You know, um, and as much of a able as I am there, the fan, you know, I interact with fans. I still treat all the fans the same. Uh, you know, I don't want to bring up the last person that, you know, was there as the champion that held the title for a while, but he was a me first kind of person and I'm not like I'm a promotional guy. Oh, we can mention Johnny lockup. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I hate that guy. Um, uh, but yeah, it was one of those things where it's just, I was a nobody who became the top guy, you know, and even in the locker room, it was, you know, I was told it was well deserved for what I did. You know, and the other guys have been in the business for a long time, guys that I respect, and you know, so that was like my one of my happiest accomplishments there was you know, I went from a open card tag team guy to the main event champion. And as for June 9th, oh I plan on still being the champion. Um uh, you know, me and Jackson Stone know each other pretty well. Like I have nothing but the utmost respect for him and everything that he did to come train with me. He drove three hours on bald tires in the middle of winter from Detroit just to train with me. Wow. You know, uh, dedication. Yeah, it was. And it's so funny because he messaged me one time. I was like, Hey, can I ask you some questions about, you know, wrestling training? And I get that a lot. And, you know, guys like, Oh, you know, I'd like to come down. Well, when he showed up and I saw him, I was like, Ooh, I was like, you look like a wrestler. And it just developed from there, you know. I'm like, I'm very proud of everything he does and everything he has done and what he's going to do. But June 8th is going to be one thing he's not going to do, and that's going to be from me, you know. Um, and uh, I'm even going to show him the respect of not having the marquee players out, not having the wingman out there, you know. This to me is four years in the making. We've had matches together, um, but it's never been one-on-one. It's never been the top student versus the trainer. So I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I, I, there's certainly, it, it's, it's a match 
Uh, if not, you know, within the top two that I'm looking forward to calling over those next couple of days. Uh, but, but champ, I do have to ask you, you know, we've heard you before say that the, the players in the wingman will not be involved and you've gone back on your word there. No, I said the marquee players wouldn't be involved in there. So the wingman wasn't going to be involved last though. And really, if you look, I have never, I have never cheated. Oh, okay. So I cheated a couple of times, but. I just find ways to win. That's the way I put it. You got to find ways to win. It's about winning, you know, and that's what I do. Well, what's the old uh, Jesse Jesse the Body Venture famous line? Uh, win if you can, lose if you must, but always, always cheat. Exactly. You know, um, and that's just my mentality. Like I'm there to win. I'm not there to lose. You know, so you try and take something I worked hard for. I'm gonna do what I have to do to keep it. Well, see, uh, we're most certainly looking forward to a battle on the border here in just a little over a week. As we said, uh, two days of just it's going to be an extravaganza down in southern Ohio. Uh, we're going to have some information later in the show here about how you can get tickets and all that information you're going to need. Uh, but to switch gears from VOTB, uh, we've got something else to talk about. It's a little short notice uh, as of this airing, but it will be Friday, May 31st, which will be this evening. Mega Championship Wrestling takes center stage at Colossal Con here in Sandusky, Ohio, northern Ohio, right on the lake. Uh, what can you tell us about this event? Um, this has been our third or fourth year doing Colossal Con itself. Uh, it's a gigantic anime convention. It's like a gigantic party. Uh, and what's funny is when you go to a wrestling show and you see the wrestlers, you know that they're the wrestlers because they're in there, you know, we're in our gear. You go to Colossal Con, and you're kind of like, man, these people look more dressed up than I do. Uh, so, first year we did it, we were like, okay, well, let's try it out. Let's see what we can do. And we just did plain old regular wrestling matches. You know, we incorporated some kind of a little bit of cosplay into it. I think we did like, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Bloodsport, but we kind of did it like that where, you know, the first show was all the people, all the wrestlers sitting out on the, um, in the chairs in front of the audience. And we called them into the ring that way. Like, that's, you know, uh, then we were the second year, like, well, let's do a little bit more cosplay. Well, this year, it's all cosplay. Um, we won't even let you be on the event if you're not doing a cosplay. It, it's a good time. I mean, like, uh, about a 1,000 people show up just to watch that, you know, and it gets real loud. It's so much fun. Um, there's even a point where all the fans that are dressed as wrestlers get a photo shoot. And last year was amazing because there were some pretty good cosplays of WWE wrestlers. No, oh, very, very cool. I, I know yourself, you're, 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 you're getting the old crew back together. You were talking about your former, your former tag team, uh, meat and taters there. Right, you guys are involved in a fans bring the snacks match. Can you explain this? All right. Well, at every anime convention, there's certain foods that they eat. And I'm like, well, talking to Big Mo, I was like, man, I was like, how fun would that be if we just used the foods that they had? Because, you know, it's meat and taters versus cream of beef. There's two tag teams with food names. I was like, ah, we got to do something with that. You know, can't just. And so we decided, like, well, why don't we have the fans bring snacks in and we use those during the match? So, you know, it's something silly, but at the same time, it's, if there's a story that's going to be told, you know, it's, uh, I don't really know how much story you can tell with food, but, 
you know, it's just to me it's something funny, um, entertaining, you know. We're going to wrestle, but there's going to be food involved. I, I absolutely love the concept. He said, you know, you're at a, you're at a Cosmic Con. It's all about having fun. And this is a unique twist, uh, you know, which is usually a hardcore gimmick. Uh, I think it's absolutely incredible. You guys are probably going to knock it out of the park. Uh, but, but Mr. Uh, Mr. Brandon Xavier, thank you so much for your time. Could you please let our listeners know where they could keep up with yourself via social media? I already know you, you put out the warning there. Maybe keep up with yourself or Mega Championship Wrestling. Uh, there's Mega Championship Wrestling on Facebook. Um, my Instagram is Brandon Xavier. Well, let me even look. I, I, something. Uh, I have to check. I I have it, but I never keep track of it. Uh, what is my name on Instagram? Mega Brandon X is my Instagram name. Uh, Twitter, which I don't really go on that much, is uh, Brandon Xavier zero two. Um, and for the people that play WWE champions, they they see it's like it's one of my favorite games in the world. Um, they are like. It sounds so nerdy when I say this, but like I'm in one of the top factions of that game, so that's you know that's the weird. It's the weirdest thing ever because uh, I actually got recognized out there because my game name is Mega BX, and somebody actually hit me up. I was like, "Oh, I know you. And, you know, I've seen you wrestle." Um, and you know the people that I've met from playing the game, you know, is ridiculous how like interacting with fans there so you know just play WWE Champions look up Mega BX Russell Mafia um let's see what else uh, I think that's uh, my Snapchat I don't ever use um so I don't really ever give that out because I it's the stupidest thing in the world for me to take a picture and <laughs> post it you know that's where I post all my Gressel stuff so not so many people see it there we go. And, and I, can, I can say that uh, I follow you on Facebook, and it's always interesting, uh, interesting post that you have up there, and that's at the real Brandon X. Yeah, that's you know, and that's me. That you know, I know a lot of people are like, "Oh, we should do this on social media," and I'm like, I'm not making a bunch of different social medias on Facebook just so I can, you know, I try to stay away from controversial stuff. You know, I don't talk politics, religion, or anything on like that. Not. I talk wrestling, memes, and, you know, just my straight thoughts. That, that's, that's probably the best place to follow me. That's that's the way it should be. Well, once again, uh, thank you, champ. I look forward to uh, to calling your matches from Battle on the Border coming up in the next couple of weeks. And uh, and good luck tonight uh, at Colossal Con. Thank you. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Valuations. This is Dalton Castle. And you're listening to Hitting the Marks. Oh, I get it. It's a pun. All right, Huckleberry. So we're back for segment two. That was the interview with Mr. Brandon Xavier. Man, I'm really jealous. I wish I could have seen that Brandon Xavier versus Cody Hawk match. Yeah, you talk about it. Especially, you know, here, like you know, as I mentioned there on the interview, that this independent wrestling hotbed of Ohio and you're talking about, you know, two premier trainers here, you know, the great North versus the South, you know, battle of Ohio. Uh, so many students, uh, of course, you know, that have come through, you know, the teachings of Cody Hawk. And now you've got these blossoming young stars. Uh, Mr. Xavier is, is helping out. 
and I, and I really, you know, listening to him talk about that match, how you had those, those two old dogs go out there and by doing less, they, they gained more and they taught everybody so, so much. I think what really popped me in the interview is uh, what he had mentioned that some of his, he doesn't even bother learning some students' names for the first two months because it's like that rotating door. Yeah, it reminded me of our uh, producers at work. Uh, let's uh, let's go ahead. Let's talk a little bit about uh, some Ring of Honor and uh, somebody that uh, Mr. Xavier is very, very familiar with, some of the ROH talent, like the current Women of Honor champion, Miss Kelly Klein, and your current TV champion, Mr. Shane Taylor, both friends of the show. I like you putting that over in the interview. He did a really nice job with that, Huckleberry. Let's. Uh, uh, I'll tell you, talk, talk about a match to go see. Sorry to cut you off there, Jargo. But talking about a, a must-see match, uh, Shane Taylor's last match on the independence before, you know, before the guaranteed with Ring of Honor, the exclusive deal kicked in, was actually at Mega Championship Wrestling against the, the, the top student there, uh, Mr. Xavier, and that is uh, Jackson Stone. Shane knocked him out with one punch. Uh, it, it was uh, go go find it. Uh, maybe I'll share a link, uh, you know, across the in our so, in our social media circles there or on our page. But it is a, it's a hell of a match. Greetings from the two one six. Let's talk about uh, Ring of Honor State of the Art coming up this weekend. We're on the road to uh, Ring of Honor. Shane McMahon, otherwise known as Ring of Honor, best in the world. Uh, Saturday, June first, coming up in MSG's neck of the woods, Kent, Washington. We've got some big matches on this show, man. Actually, both of these shows are just freaking stacked inside of the ROH landscape right now. ROH World Title on the line as the real. Ring of Honor World Heavyweight Champion Matt Taven defends against Hot Sauce Tracy Williams. Matt Taven still making his way through lifeblood there. Jay Lethal is going to take on Kenny King in the culmination of uh, that program. The Kingdom take on the Bouncers. The NWA National Championship on the line as Colt Cabana tangos with Mark Briscoe. PCO versus Jay Briscoe. Yeah, got that one circled in red. Want to see that match? Jeff Cobb takes on Mark Haskins. And then we have a four-corner survival match between Roosh Dalton Castle, Flip Gordon, and our newfound friend, PJ Black. Uh, A couple of things to address here. Number one, you have Roosh and Dalton Castle in a match. It'll be interesting to see that uh, kind of pair off once again. And then we have Flip Gordon, who appeared on the latest episode of Being the Elite, which uh, absolutely brought his contract status into my mind's eye. And new friend of the show, PJ Black. Rick, this looks like a really good show inside of the ROH landscape right now. Uh, you're talking about, you know, all the great interviews we have, an excellent listen. If anyone's missed that, make sure you go back last week. Uh, I think you even have it out there as a separate cut as well. Yep. Uh, with Mr. With Mr. PJ Black there. Hey, great opportunity for him to really shine here. I didn't, I haven't picked this up on this yet. Is this uh, the four quarter survival? Is this an, a championship opportunity on the line here, or is this kind of like a proving match? I assume this is to establish the true number one contender to Matt Taven. Even though Matt Taven's mashup for Best in the World has already been announced, it will be Jeff Cobb taking on the Ring of Honor champion Matt Taven. Looking well, forward he, to that one. One of the few things you know that I always get on Ring of Honor about that there's no they have no shortcomings when it when it's about handing out these opportunities. I mean, there is a line a mile long at any point of individuals that have earned an opportunity at the champ. Hey, but that's why I which you is, know what that's why we 
we put David over. He's the, he's the workhorse. He's the hardest working champ in professional wrestling. I mean, he's going out there big match after big match and delivering right now. If you want to be the Ring of Honor champ, you have to earn it. And definitely with the way they've got their system set up. And, you know, I'm, I'm seeing people that are actually calling for Jeff Cobb to win this championship, Rick. And I don't necessarily understand it. I completely agree with you. Matt Taven is right now the best world champion in professional wrestling. He's going out there every night defending that title. And you know what? He might not be going out there and having five star matches, but every night you're getting three and a half to four stars every night. Well, you know, it kind of it, it kind of goes back to what uh, with our great champion battle on the border pro wrestling, Mister Brad Xavier was talking about. Hey, you go out there and you get the job done, and that's what Matt Taven does, and he's doing it against some of the best competition in the world, and you know, certainly the best competition that Ring of Honor can throw at him, and it's one after another. As we said, they're lined up a mile long with opportunities, but in this match itself, you know, I could see this going any way, and I know a lot of people will look at the four of these people and be like, okay, you know, PJ Black. You're, you know, he's that, that odd person out. I could see him stealing one here, skyrocketing himself to the top. Dude, I would love to see PJ Black versus Matt Taven. I don't think people realize how good that match would actually be. I think it would be incredible. You know, we've seen Flip in that opportunity. We expect Roosh and Dalton Castle to be at the top of that. They can absolutely make a star here and, and swerve everyone. I'm not going to be shocked, and I don't want the world to be either because I mean, we've got an incredible talent. And, and especially right now with the landscape of professional wrestling, Ring of Honor's got to put themselves in the play much more here. Let's start elevating some individuals here. I mean, this is just going to strengthen your card throughout the entire roster. You know what? The more and more I think about it, I think PJ should win this matchup. As you said, we've seen Flip Gordon versus Matt Taven, and I absolutely think that's a money program for Ring of Honor. Don't get me wrong, but I think there's a better story in how is Flip Gordon going to get back into another match with Matt Taven. I don't think you want to blow that load already. Doesn't Flip still have his from the the honor at sea? No, no. That happened on Did he have that? Okay. ROH TV episode 400 was the uh, Matt Taven versus yes, yes, Flip Gordon okay. match. You're right. Yeah. So we've had that one there. Uh, and yeah, I so, like I mean, the I idea guess... of Flip chasing. I don't think well, you want to have... blow that already. I you're right. You got the story. Let's not automatically put him back into this thing. Let's tell that story of, you know, Flip, the true underdog. How can he just offer this opportunity has been taken from him again? How's he going to get back in that picture? And then obviously we've got the great program being developed here between Castle and Roosh. Yeah. I, like those two are paired off in their own thing. So the logical choice for me is PJ Black. And I think that would be a hell of a match. And I think in this dynamic with the, the four corner survival, this would be a perfect time for Castle to get one on Roosh. Yeah, I agree. And then on state of the art night two, we have another development with Roosh and Dalton Castle, but we'll talk about well, that in a second. It does beg the question, though, do you want Roosh to take that first pin in a four corner match? That's a very valid question, too. Or I mean, you, because you could save that for a big moment or is this how Roosh gets into the title picture? Does, do you just put Roosh over and now Roosh can add his name to that long list of title contenders? Because I feel like every day that Roosh is not holding the ROH title or facing Matt Taven for the ROH title at this point is leaving money on the table. When I look at the, the star power inside of ROH, as good as this show looks, there's not a lot of star power. And to me, Roosh just screams star. If I could do it, there, there's something about him. I, mean, I got to see him live, and it immediately 
you know a star when you're in the room with them. There's that vibe, that energy. You're just blown away. I talk about it all the time when professional wrestling is missing is that awe factor because we want these larger-than-life beings, and you get that with Roosh. I mean, you know this guy is legit star-driven. You know, he's got everything that you need. I don't know if you know – I don't know if you need it right now. I, I'd hold off because this program with Castle is great. You know, I agree. The, 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 you know, the big man meet everything that Castle's bringing. It's really a helping Roosh kind of evolve more into you know the style that we're used to here in in North America. You know, the, what we always say the West. But I mean, they're West, but you know what we're used to in the North America, Europe. It, it's helping him kind of evolve that game. He's learning so much now from Castle. I must hold off, and I know contracts come into play here. I know they only got Roosh for that year deal. And it's likely at that point with everything that's kind of happening between the different promotions that he might be gone. You don't want to miss out on that big money, but it's possible, man. I almost hold off to a bigger of that, maybe something later in the summer or even final battle. So how do you get out of this booking conundrum? Do you pull a, a stupid WWE finish like they did on Monday Night Raw the other night where you have a four-corner elimination match, two guys get counted out or and or disqualified, just take themselves out of the match, and this thing comes down to Flip Gordon versus PJ Black? Hashtag lowest common denominator booking. Well, you're, you're, I, I, I understand that, but, but how else do you get out of this match without Roosh either winning it or taking a pin? I, that's I my have, question. I have. I'm sitting down with my with my team. I know they don't have the big, you know, the 20 people sitting around. They got a tight little group that's taking care of their booking there. And I'm coming up with something so absurd that as absolutely defines that you would it would even surprise you from Dalton Castle that allows him to get a pin on Roosh. I'm, I'm going to do it right here. I think that adds to that program. I'm pulling the trigger. It's going to shock everybody if you have Black win this thing and earn an opportunity. And I'm more worried about Roosh is all we just put him over. We've already talked about that star power. And, and sure, I mean, you could have that big moment. It would be his first loss. But we kind of just, I mean, we're doing that with Cobb. Right. You know, we just did that with Cobb. Yep. And now he's moved on. So I don't want to just repeat that same situation here and just kind of shift over to Roosh in the same, you know, same gimmick. Let, let's let's take Black, who's a, a great talent around the globe. And I'm not just putting him over here because, you know, he recently you know came on with us and, and helped to show out and all that. I think I would be sitting here saying the same thing. Let, let's let's elevate him. We need more star power throughout this card. And this will absolutely give that to you. Well, and, and this is also one of those things, kind of like we were talking about inside of the best of the super juniors with Shingo. Roosh doesn't lose anything in taking that pin to Dalton Castle in a four corner survival match. Just like Shingo doesn't lose anything losing in the best of super junior final to Will Ospreay. But I feel like we, we got to snap these streaks these winning streaks when you're trying when you're planning all of your booking around somebody's winning streak. We saw this in WCW with Goldberg. We've seen it in the WWE with Asuka. It just it presents all kinds of booking tropes that are just awful. It's a good thing to just get it out of the way. I, I'm with you. You know, let's, let's move on from it. You know, and we live in we live in a society now where we don't even remember what happened yesterday. Right. Exactly. We can move on, you know, in, that, in professional wrestling, they, that might be one of you know the good things that have come about from 50-50 booking in WWE. We can move on. I mean, we just don't want it to turn into what on their level, but we can move on from a loss. And, and I think Dalton Castle needs that here. And this would make sense. You know, it's not one on one to really hurt Roosh. You could steal something from him right now. Yep, I agree. Uh, can we talk about PCO versus Jay Briscoe for a second? Yeah, that's an undercard match. Are, are really? we allowed to talk about that? 
before nine o'clock. I mean, dear God almighty. I mean, just talking about it, I don't even know if the, if the violence that we're going to talk about that's going to ensue is allowed on the air before nine o'clock. Looking forward to that matchup. I'm also looking forward to Cole Cabana and Mark Briscoe. One thing that is very understated about Mark Briscoe is his comedic timing. And one thing understated about Colt Cabana is his actual wrestling ability. I think we're going to see both of them come out inside of this matchup, and I'm really looking forward to that one as well. Well, I think, you know, beyond that, beyond what we're just going to get, you know, bell to bell here, we got a hell of a story here. The Briscoes have declared absolute war against the NWA. What better way to, you know, get that first shot off than go right after a championship? Could you imagine a Briscoe walking around with this thing? Oh, dear God almighty. Yeah, big weekend for the Briscoes. They've got some big matches, especially Jay. My God. Let's look at night two. Uh, Defy or Deny makes its long-awaited return. Matt Taven versus PCO versus Flip Gordon versus Mark Haskins. Now, the way this thing works is anybody who gets a pinfall over Matt Taven is then owed a title shot. That's right. We're throwing this thing out again. But if Matt Taven pins anybody inside of this match, they do not get a title shot until Matt Taven loses that title. When I look at this lineup, PCO, if Matt Taven could somehow get a sneaky win over PCO and protect ROH from having to do that matchup again, that's a really good way to keep PCO out of the title picture. You talk about doing anything that you possibly can to just get get out of Dodge, get the job done. We're going to have to have that from Taven right here. Do all three of these guys, if Taven could somehow prevent Flip Gordon from ever challenging for the ROH title and you build that until finally Joe Coff ends up saying, you know what, fuck it, Flip Gordon versus Matt Taven, final battle. Like you, If you can build that story to where you want to see Flip beat Taven's ass so bad, maybe we can turn Flip into an actual main event talent. You know what I'd kind of like to see? Let's link some things together. All this thing that we've seen with Flip Gordon, let's let's go that route. And this kind of you know lends what we were just talking about the first night, the reason why Flip shouldn't go over there because he'd have that, that opportunity and then he's getting this one already locked in here. Let's take everything away from Flip. Everything. He's lost everything now. You know, what is he going to do? What is his spot in this company? Who has punished Flip the most? Bully. What if going towards final battle, you know, we think flips down and out. He's heading to AEW. They can play off of all of that there. Maybe, maybe that is the elaborate scheme. Maybe they are all in bed together. You know, let's go with the Russo thing here. Who's in bed with each other? But uh, I was surprised to see Flip show up on being well, the elite. What if Bully comes out and says that his contract is coming to an end and he's had you know, his representation, they're going through it, looking at what's going on here, he's renegotiating all that, and he's found a clause that actually he never lost his authority. And, and, after, and, and after all of this, I mean, you talk about a, a huge eruption, a huge swerve here. Bully comes out and says, you know what? I came up that way. I, I remember getting my ass beat nonstop. I, I have, might have brain damage from taking, you know, so many fights with, with the gangsters 
you know, and all that. And I, I, I know what Tommy went through. He's a brother to me. And Flip, as hard as I've been on you, there is something inside of me that sees that. And I am my contract is expiring, but as my my last actor in Ring of Honor, I'm granting you this match at Final Battle. I can get behind that. Flip Gordon finally earns Bully Ray's respect. I can get behind it, 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 it. I mean, that's really what it's about, you know? Yeah. Thank you, absolutely. sir. May I have another? Hit me again. Yep. And, and what a moment that would be. And, you know, if Bully's leaving or not, you think he's kind of run his course at that point. Or you just go forward with, you know, people love Bully because he's so, he's so good at what he does. And he represents tra- tradition in professional wrestling. Speaking of thank you, sir, can I have another? It's a rematch of one of my favorite matches of all time as Jay Lethal takes on Jay Briscoe. Yes. The more I can see this match, the better off Ring of Honor is. This is a main event program. I, As much as I love the Briscoes together, I love Jay Briscoe as a singles competitor, especially when he's in there with somebody that can go like Jay Lethal. Yeah, definitely looking forward to this one. You talk about people that represent everything that Ring of Honor is. I mean, you're looking at the two faces. Two OGs right there. I like you're it. Looking at, you're, you're looking at the two faces of it. Speaking of OGs, OG friend of the show, McLovin. That's right, Josh Woods. He's back in ROH. I've been kind of talking with Josh, and he's really looking forward to this matchup, as am I. Josh Woods takes on Mark Briscoe. I think this is going to be some redneck kung fu mixed with some MMA, and I'm looking forward to that. Jeff Cobb is going to take on PJ Black. Hold on, let's 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 go back to what we're talking about. Could this be a match of number one contenders? Absolutely, to see which one is going to face off with Matt Taven next. Perhaps Jeff Cobb wins that match, and that's how he gets his title shot at Best in the World. Which is why you don't release the fact that Jeff Cobb versus Matt Taven is going to happen at Best in the World when you know Matt Taven could actually lose the title. You know, maybe Saturday night to Hot Sauce Tracy Williams. I'm not saying that it's going to happen, but you know, hey. It could happen. Uh, Then we have your big tag team main event, the Bouncers versus the Kingdom versus Coast to Coast versus my new favorite tag team, Roosh and Dalton Castle. These two are going to be a tag team? You've always got these prepared. Do you have a name for these guys yet? No, I don't. But, man, now you got me thinking about it. How about the meat locker? <laughs> yeah, I, I I, feel, you know what? Just talk about how great this is going to be, and I'll figure out what their name is going to be. <laughs> uh, I'm actually looking forward to this one. Actually, so much for it. I'll give you the toast of honor right now here, Jackie. Uh, this is going to be fun. And... and absolutely looking forward to about everything here. I tell you who I've been really picking up on lately. I've been loving some coast to coast. I think they're bringing a new energy. I'm looking forward to them here in this match. Obviously, we're going to get, you know, the usual shenanigans from the kingdom. The bouncer is going to give us you know, those little fun spots with inside the match. are going to bring uh, that, that big old, you talk about a meat locker, <laughs> for size meat locker, that's in the bouncers. Uh, but yeah, the story in this thing is going to be all Rouge and Dalton Castle telling kind of their own side story. Uh, so for the record, I do not speak Spanish. I never took a Spanish class and I have no desire to ever learn how to speak Spanish. Most of the Spanish that I know comes thanks to luchadors. So I'm going to go with this is the new name 
for Dalton Castle and Rouge. Casarillo de Carne, which is Spanish for meat locker. I'm excited about oh, this. Juicy pe- How about Juicy Peacocks? <laughs> juicy Peacocks. Oh, my God. So the winner of this match is going to get a tag team title shot. That's what this thing is all being built around. Rick, it seems logical to me that Coast to Coast would win this match. I agree with you. I have been up on Coast to Coast for quite a while now. But I kind of like the idea of Roosh and Dalton Castle as this, I don't like you, you don't like me tag team. The, 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 the odd couple tag team. I could actually see this going somewhere. And do, if you're going to give Roosh Dalton Castle as his mouthpiece... Watch the fuck out. How is that not a main event act? Dude, I, I'm getting this whole vision. We should probably tag Kevin Eck in this, in this, when we post this thing, get us some jobs over here. I, I am loving this conversation about bringing water, bringing this together right now. So I'm thinking we go back to night one here. We were talking about uh, castle getting that's, you know, stealing in, in some absurd fashion, stealing that win over Roosh. So kind of in Roosh's head, it's kind of like, you know what? This guy got me. I, I know I, I'm not supposed to like him. I've been kicking his head off everywhere we go dominated him at MSG, but he's been sticking in there and he just got me. Maybe there's something to him. So Castle becomes the mouthpiece, as you're saying. He's kind of leading him through. I'm going to show you the ropes here in Ring of Honor, show you how we do it in North America, kid. I even wanted to go so as I want to go as far as that Dalton Castle goes out and get Roosh's own boys. Well, and I mean, this is also a good way that this kind of can keep Dalton Castle out of the ring. If you almost transfer Dalton Castle into that managerial role for Roosh, I think that you can elevate Roosh to a main event act, have Dalton Castle cutting his promos, and Dalton can heal his body up a little bit. I mean, I think this is a win all the way around. I love it. And you know, and save it to, if you want to eventually have a payoff with it. Or, hey, ride this out. I think these guys would be a great duo. Uh, anything just it just you know with the, the way that he represents himself just the body language even if he's just at ringside and occasionally jumping in and commentary during roosh matches absolutely i think it would skyrocket uh, already we've already got roosh at this level let's take him up here let's really put ring of honor on the map with him there make these things glorified handicap matches like so dalton castle is in his gear he's standing on the apron he's roosh's tag team partner but rick answer me this question roosh versus the bouncers who wins well i i, I knew right, right where you were going let's line up some teams like that where even castle is supposed to be in the match in a tag match but he goes over and sits in commentary yeah and it's basically just roosh versus everyone instead of basically instead of beating one guy a night roosh is beating two guys a night Dalton Castle's his tag team partner, but he's not doing anything. So he's beating two guys a night, and the only one man that has pinned him is the guy that he's relying on and that he trusts to guide him through, although even you know he's doing all the work. And if you want to do some comedy stuff, like you can have like a super intense Roosh cut a promo in Spanish and then have Dalton Castle translate it and have it be completely wrong because Dalton Castle doesn't understand Spanish. And I could just see like Dalton Castle just making shit up and then like finishing with one line that he understands in Spanish. And Roosh is like, yeah, 
Like I could just see this being absolute money, whether you want an intense program, whether you want a comedy program, a mid card program, a main event program. I can already see with Castle. Like you get Roosh out there cutting cutting in Spanish. I am the greatest in the world. And Castle to translate. Aren't I delicious? Yeah, like you know, like I could just see it in my brain. Yes. It's absolute money. Absolutely. And then I, I want those two going out and running around the cities that they're in. I mean, that would have been great. Like when we talked about remember we talked about at MSG, we wanted Okada to be running around with with Dalton Castle doing vignettes in the city. Yes. Tourist Okada with Castle, which they completely missed the mark on that one. Come on, that would have been gold. So give me tourist Roosh with Dalton Castle. I absolutely love it. Absolutely love it. All right, Huckleberry, let's wrap things up. Let's talk about NXT 25. It's going down on Saturday. Um, I, I guess let's talk about it because nobody else seems to be talking about this show. I've, all the headlines this week are WWE was awful. We didn't have any wrestling for the first hour of Monday Night Raw. Double or Nothing was incredible. We love everything about it. John Moxley buries the WWE. Vince Russo is crazier than a bat. Th- those have been all the headlines this week. Nobody is talking about NXT 25. Well, I, I was actually thinking about this you know, yesterday, you know, as kind of prepping for the show and all this. Yeah, you got all this other hype out there. Obviously, you know, you had mentioned last week, you know, AEW, they're not necessarily going at Raw and SmackDown. They're targeting NXT. So they're presenting that style. So that fan base, you know, who's really involved in, in you know, the gold standard of the WWE brands, they're focused elsewhere. Now, you know, they're hot on what's going on with Moxley there. You kind of filter in New Japan, who also targets that audience. So you got that, you got that dynamic, and WWE itself. I think we're finally starting to see a trickle down effect where the red and the blue are so terrible that we're now relating it to all these different brands. Well, and I think the other thing that's going on is people are losing faith in NXT, not the NXT product, but we're losing faith in the characters because we have seen at this point, why should I invest in Johnny Gargano when I know when he goes to SmackDown, he's going to be marginalized in about a week. Why should, why should I invest in Shayna Baszler when I know when she goes to Monday night raw, her and Naomi are going to be going 50, 50 for a month. Well, you know, on this, what we're talking about, you know, the trickle down of butterfly effect This 24 seven title. It looks like last year's NXT card. Yeah. And I feel like people are just giving up on NXT, not because they don't love NXT, but because we know what's coming and we just we're tired of going through it. Hell, I think the most exciting thing on this card is Tyler Breeze going back to NXT where he can actually freaking work. And, you know, we just had a great conversation about two days of Ring of Honor, especially the you know, Ring of Honor going against NXT on Saturday. And looking at this thing, I, I'm excited for NXT 25. This is a great achievement. This is a great card. But I, I've got to be honest with you. I'm more excited about Ring of Honor. I'm also a little bit worried about this card because every time NXT goes out and they knock it out of the park and it's every time it's like, oh, my God, was that the best takeover ever? That's always the narrative come Monday. This one is not going to be that show. There's there's just not the heat going into this card to make this that show. And I'm terrified the talent is going to go out there 
and they are going to feel so much pressure to go out and outdo double or nothing that this takeover is going to fall flat. This is another case of, too, you know, even if they're targeting you, NXT, you need to worry about yourself. Yeah, here's kind of funny. I had this conversation here. I'm, I'm sitting at Harbor House Bar and Grill right here on Lake Erie. Uh, we're at, at the mouth of the, the Huron River. Uh, it's a great, great tourist destination. This They've kind of dominated it here. You know, I handle their marketing. I've dubbed them, you know, we're Huron's premier entertainment destination. Uh, so we, we've set a high standard. And I'm having some time. I'm having talks with the owners. And there is a, a hot new place opening within stone's distance away here. And they're like, okay, well, what are they doing? Can you research what's going on there? I said, we don't need to worry about what the hell they're doing. They're going to draw there. They're, they're new. They're fresh. They're going to – and I actually – I threw out the comparison to AEW. I said, the people are going to go check that out. So what we need to do is just look around here and reevaluate ourselves. What can we do better? We don't have to copy them or follow anything that they're doing or even know what the hell they're doing. What do we need to improve on here? And we, we know that. We get feedback all the time from people. Let's worry about ourselves in-house. And that's what NXT has to do here. And this show is going to be a transition show for them. It's, it's going to be kind of a turning of the page, which is very fitting that it's number 25. Yeah, I agree. And I think this is going to be a really good show, but it's like with the success of double or nothing and the critic acclaim that that show is getting and make no mistake, that show had its problems. I I'm a little surprised to hear everybody putting it over as heavily as they are. If NXT goes out here and knocks it out of the park, let's say they put on a four star out of a five star show. People are going to be disappointed and people are going to bitch about it. And that's not fair to the NXT roster in any way, shape or form. They have to know that going in. They have to know that going in. I mean, you, you, you do have those expectations and you're going to have that negative feedback. But you want something that's going to last time. You know, what, what are people going to be talking about this come the next NXT when they're really looking back and remembering on this thing? You know, it doesn't need to be what have you done for me lately? Because, you know, like I said, AW's fresh, it's new. People are going to give they're, – they're giving them breaks. Now, you know, when we get to Chicago for, you know, for the, that next big all out, you know, I think that's where you're going to see people really get critical on them and really start, you know, you know, taking them to task on some of their faults. Because that's when we'll be heading into television. That's when they're going to have to really, you know, make sure they got a crisp product. For NXT here, and even what really stands out, with this kind of being that turning of the page, they made such an effort to – you know, to redefine themselves now as their own brand. Let's not forget, this is a standalone show. They don't have the support of the big brands, big brother there with you this weekend. So, you know, you've got that audience coming in. This is Can You Draw Yourself? And they've actually, they've done them no favors in moving this show. You took it out of a hot, you took it out of a hot area, a hot market like San Jose. And now we're up in the Northeast and where are they exactly? It's somewhere in Connecticut. Bridgeport. Right? Bridgeport, Connecticut. Okay. So, when you think big event, who the hell is going to Bridgeport, Connecticut? You want to boom. You want to show everyone you're standing on your own. You don't go to hell. You don't go anywhere to Connecticut, let alone Bridgeport, Connecticut. And you're right. I mean, in some ways, they do have the, you know, the deck is stacked against them in so many ways here. Now, this is can you go out there and stand on your own? I think this is more so against them. Then Evolution, although they were booked in a terrible area, but they, at least they had all the PR and the promotion where they were pretending it was something. I'm going to be interested to see how this the, actually the production is on this thing because, you know, I'm sure they're not going to send the A team up there. You know, who's going to be handling this thing? You know, one thing that I do enjoy about takeovers and one of my big complaints about Double or Nothing was the show 
was just too damn long. There were three matches. That that card was built around three matches, and it ended up being like a five-hour show. This is going to be a two-and-a-half-hour show, maybe three hours at the most, and there's five really good matches on this show. Let's run through them here. Number one, your main event, Johnny Champion, Johnny Gargano, Cleveland's favorite son, taking on Adam Cole for the NXT Championship in a rematch from TakeOver New York. I think that's also part of the problem with this show is you have a rematch headlining versus a fresh matchup. You have the NXT Women's Championship, Shayna Baszler taking on Io Shirai. The Again, NXT- a little repetitive. Yep. The NXT Tag Team Championships are now vacant thanks to the War Raiders going to Monday Night Raw and never being seen again. The 1-2 Punch takes on Red Dragon, otherwise known as the Undisputed Era, Forgotten Sons, and the Street Profits. Then you have the NXT North American Championship, Velveteen Dream versus Tyler Breeze, which, while I'm looking forward to it, is a replacement for Donovan Dijakovic. And Matt Riddle taking on Roderick Strong. Now, I think they can really make this take over Undisputed. I think I just put Undisputed Era over in every match. Adam Cole's been saying all year Undisputed Era is going to be draped in gold in 2019. Well, 2019's halfway over. It's time to shit or get off the pot. I think I just put Undisputed Era over strong and basically make this takeover remembered as takeover Undisputed. I think you got some shockers in there, too. I'm obviously looking at this. You know, Roger Strong going over Matt Riddle. It set a huge tone for the evening. If he could steal that victory, we know how, you know, how, you know, pun intended, high they are on Matt Riddle. But, well you know, if he, could, if he could steal that there. Hey, you know what? We're talking about this is this is a new beginning of a new chapter, turning the page for them here. So you just, maybe you start using that as your moniker. You know, it's the undisputed golden brand in WWE. Yeah. I mean, hell, man, any marketing techniques that you can get, absolutely go with it. Plus, you also have a couple of storylines here. Number one, you would have Red Dragon recapturing the NXT Tag Team Championships. When you look at 1-2 Punch, hell, half the time, Oni Lorcan is on 205 Live. Not that anybody knows that because nobody watches it. Forgotten Sons, who is actually who I expect to win this match. I just, I don't feel like anybody cares about them whatsoever. And then you have the Street Profits, which, while I like the Street Profits, they're a mid-card act at best. Like, they can challenge for the tag team championships, but I just, I don't see them as NXT tag team champions. I feel like Red Dragon's the logical choice here to win these titles. What really stands out to me, I absolutely hate that they didn't just include the War Raiders in this thing. Right? Why, why not have them go work double duty on this thing? I absolutely hate that we saw the title vacated. I, I felt it did a huge disservice to the NXT Women's Championship when Asuka did that. You know, and I understand the circumstances there were a little different. Uh, but right here, these guys are perfectly capable of working and coming. I, I would be okay. You know, if the War Raiders were in this thing and the Forgotten Sons got a pin on them, then yes, it establishes them as something. But now this is a vacated championship. I think you need to redefine this by putting it on, you know, true standouts within the brand. And that's got to be Red Dragon. And yep. then from there, then, then let them start working programs and building these other teams up. Just a strong run from the Forgotten Sons and the Dusty is not enough to get fans excited behind them. I think it's a serious step back to put this on anybody except for Red Dragon. 
And then you have, like you were mentioning, the Matt Riddle-Roderick Strong matchup. You can buy hook or buy crook somehow. You can figure out how Roddy can get Matt Riddle. I can get behind that, which leaves the big elephant in the room. You mean to tell me that Johnny Gargano is going to drop the NXT championship to Adam Cole? Yes. Yes, that's exactly what I'm telling you. Uh, How many title defenses did Johnny Gargano have with the North American championship? Oh, yeah, none. I think this is the Johnny Gargano story. I think we're doing the Sasha Banks story with Johnny Gargano. He can win titles, but he can't defend them. I like it. And it, it, again, you know, that adds into what you can use later for fuel with him for that underdog stuff, you know, the, the, or, or not even just the underdog. If you want to go underdog route, yeah, we can just do, you know, his, his batshit crazy route. You know, where he's, you know, everyone's taking from him. It, it's the world against him. You know, it, it's the world wronging him, not any other way around here. Cole has to go over clean, though. Right? I would. I don't think you can. I don't think you can screw Gargano out of the title. No, I, I'd go. No, I I do it absolutely clean. I'd actually have Roddy, uh, crooked win. I'd actually even go Red Dragon with a crooked win somehow. And then you're thinking, are they just gonna steal all these matches and then have Cole go over clean? Yep, I like it. Which leaves us with the other two matchups: Shayna Baszler versus Io Shirai. I think I'm gonna go with Shayna Baszler. I, you know, I'm, I'm going to put all the all these titles on the Undisputed Era. I'm going to go with Baszler to retain. Besides, I don't see Baszler coming up until at least after SummerSlam. You know what? At, th- at this point, when she comes up, now I want her to, I want her to retain. I mentioned this before on air. I can't remember what show, though, but I want her to challenge Becky at SummerSlam. And I want her to come up with that belt to be like, you know what? I've been sitting watching you on Mondays and Tuesdays and talking, you know, when, when you had that opportunity, you were, you kept yapping on about Becky two belts and you, you, you obtain that accomplishment by putting down someone very close to you, a very dear friend of mine, Ronda Rousey. And I've been letting that kind of just kind of fester within me. And the more I think about it, I want revenge for Ronda, but I really like the sound of Baszler two belts. I want champion versus champion, title for title. Becky yeah. ne- Becky never won the NXT Women's Championship. She's the only one of the horsewomen that never won that title. Yep. So you can, it, you, you can justify that real easy, that she wants to be the NXT Women's Champion. Well, and go back. Go back to even her uh, WWE you know, Network 24-7 special. You know, uh, well, one of the points that she regularly mentioned throughout that was that for, uh, uh, you know, there were so many times in a lot of her career, she felt like that, that fourth one, you know, that she was in the distance. Sure, she was called up before Bailey, but it was because they believed Bailey could carry the NXT division where she would just come up and sit in the shadow of Sasha, Sasha and Char Char. Yep. You know, she always felt like she was that odd person out. So now, you know, in her career, and it fits perfect to her character. Now she's trying to claim all these things that they thought that she never could perfect you could write that story championship for championship at SummerSlam. hell that's damn near one of the top marquee matches i believe yep i absolutely agree um which then does present the question of what do we do with Shayna baszler what when i look at the nxt women's division at this point baszler's basically taking out everybody uh we did see mia yim got a clean win over bianca belair so now Bianca's uh, undefeated thing, once again, 
kind of, you know, just stupid. I, I don't like somebody claiming to be undefeated because it's a mindset. No, shut up. Shut up. You're not undefeated anymore. Uh, so Mia Yim gets a big win there. I feel like she's got to be a logical contender. Uh, I also noticed I sent you that Destination Takeover YouTube video uh, where they're kind of going through and hyping all these matches. You notice who's hanging out with EO? Yeah, Candice LeRae. Uh, EO came out and saved Candice with the kendo stick. Evidently, EO and Candice are pretty close. They've really established that friendship now. Is there any chance in hell that my wildest dream comes true and take over SummerSlam? We end up with Candice LeRae versus Shayna Baszler for the NXT Women's Championship. I would actually, I was just thinking about this. We were laying out the scenario of potential uh, champ first champ at SummerSlam. You don't want to risk anything happening there. So I think you leave the NXT women off of that taker. Now, what I would exactly do, I'd have Shayna Baszler go over at SummerSlam and become the Raw Women's and the NXT Women's Champion. But it is a hellacious battle. It, it was everything that she had in her to win that match. Becky gave her everything. It's We've never seen Shayna push like this. Such a lasting effect that on the next NXT, she drops the title to Candice LeRae. Get behind that. So let's talk about the big match, the match that everybody's looking forward to. Of course, I'd have to do a live special, but fuck. Let's do that anyway. <laughs> Somebody make 500 bucks for a live special. Uh, let's talk about the big match everybody's looking forward to. Look, everyone, it's That's right. Tyler Breeze makes his grand return to NXT, the return of the King of Cuteville, Prince Pretty, the Sultan of Sexy. I am so looking forward to this matchup. Tyler Breeze takes on the Velveteen Dream for the NXT North American Championship and basically a battle over Spotlight. That's how this thing is being built. One promo. That's all they needed. One promo. These two guys have so much charisma that one promo has me entirely invested in this program going forward. Uh, absolutely, it, it it should. And well, and you know, also people are going to get excited for this because you said the biggest hype is seeing Tyler be able to go back home, to have an opportunity. I mean, that fan base is going to follow him. This is going to be insane. I mean, this is obviously the the, the NXT Championship is going to close this thing, but this is your true marquee. This is what people are tuning in for. I think this will be a great matchup. Just character versus character. Both these guys can work. Both these guys can sell their ass off. I think, you know, what this really is going to be, which is going to make it truly special, everything that you're listing there, people are going to see on the surface. Look a little deeper. This is going to be a giant middle finger to the fucking red and the blue from Tyler Breeze. I'm also wondering if this is going to be a giant FU to AEW from NXT. If they are going to do any kind of a response to Double or Nothing, if Hunter is going to write anything into the script, it's going to be this match. These are the because two these, guys that can pull it off. These are his guys. Yep. And these are the two guys that can actually pull it off. So, Rick, anything else that you want to talk about inside of the world of professional wrestling this week? Had so much going on. It is going to be a hot weekend. Welcome to June. Hey, you know, a lot of times, you know, it was so excellent here. We had very minimal 
WWE talk. This is a time of year where so many people are like, oh, this is where wrestling kind of just fades and I lose my interest. Go back and listen to the show repeatedly over and over because we just laid out why you should be excited. We are firing it up for the summer. And you look through AEW, Ring of Honor, New Japan, NXT, the Independence Battle on the Border Pro Wrestling. We got some big announcements coming up there and all that. Any independent across this nation, across this world. I mean, wrestling is hot right now, baby. It's heating up for the summer. You know, one that, that's kind of getting left out here, and I feel kind of bad about it, is MLW. We don't talk nearly enough MLW on this show, and it's because of Cornette. I mean, and he's doing a great job with MLW, but I'm just, I'm at this point where just the sound of his voice just pisses me off. And I, 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 I quit watching MLW because I can't stand to listen to Jim Cornette. You know what? I absolutely, you, you know where I stand on Cornette. I know I you love, love him. him. One of my favorite, he's one of my favorite personalities, but I'll even have to say it, it, it's just not, it's not the right fit with MLW. No. It's kind of counterproductive to what they're trying to accomplish. Yeah, I agree. So that's going to wrap things up for this week's show. Thanks for listening. And if you haven't yet, please hit that subscribe button. Then visit our sponsors over at thegorillaposition.com as well as lastwordonprowrestling.com for your daily pro wrestling needs. Find the entire HTM podcast network online, hittingthemarks.com. Give us your thoughts on this week's show on Twitter at HTMPWPod. Make sure that you join RBV and I this Monday inside the locker room, hackerhameen.podbean.com, Hameen Media. You can find me across all social media at not Jargo RBV. If John Moxley wants to fight you, how does he find you? Well, that's why I'm that's why I'm stationed right now in northern Ohio in case he goes home. I'm not going to be anywhere we're near the southern part of this great state of ours. Uh, but as always, keep up with me at all things Rick Vickery across all social media platforms at the real RBV. And I'm looking forward to an exciting week next week. You know, kick obviously as you said, kicking it off in the locker room. But I'm have so much awesome content out there uh, with Battle on the Border Pro Wrestling. We've got so many great events. We're going to have some just tremendous talent, tremendous talent coming in. So keep an eye out for all that. Special thank you to Battle on the Border champion Brandon Xavier. We'll talk to you Monday in the locker room. But for now. We're off like a prom dress. See ya! Watch your fingers. Label me. I don't give up. You bad guy!
that guy. Bitch and I lied. She was at home with me last night. I'll be your bad guy. 